Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello and welcome to episode one of Remap's 2023 Holiday Show. I'm your host, Rob Zachney, and I'm joined by Ricardo Contreras. Hello. Patrick Klapik. Hi. And Janet Garcia. Hello. The stress is already mounting. <laughs> well, let's, let's talk about that stress. So when people are listening to this, it's going to be December 22nd. If all goes according to plan, what are y'all doing right now? Where, where oh. are we at in our holiday journeys? I'm somewhere in Orlando, possibly at a Disney park. I'm not sure. Oh, fuck yes. Ooh. My family does this. They'll be like, you're coming back for how long? Okay, so <laughs> the dates the dates between here and here, don't plan to do anything with anyone else in Florida. <laughs> we're going to be going somewhere. I'm have like, you, li- okay, have you lied about those dates before? No. Maybe, no. maybe give them erroneous information? Highly recommended. <laughs> Best va- best vacation I ever had oh was when I was in Chicago for several days before any any of our respective families knew we were in Chicago. Mm. Because then it was like, it's time to go have fun. It's time <laughs> to see people, museums, enjoy the city. Right, right. Uh, just like grown up couple time. You know, I'd be without murdered. any I would family be murdered. stuff. I would be n- like, not like no. if any, any also, evidence like- was discovered, I would hear about it. For literally, like, my mom would call me sobbing. Like, I was just like, that. Oh, I've thought about that before. And didn't fucking see us? What are you talking <laughs> yeah, I know, about? Yeah, not a chance. I'd be like, dead. Fear of God. My God. Like, found my, dead in Miami. <laughs> <laughs> Whole clutching list of games with no numbers. We don't know what it means. What does the list mean? <laughs> oh. All right, so so Kato, Kato's uh, probably at a Disney thing, which sounds awesome. I'm so Disney pilled now. I'm like, <laughs> oh, oh my hell yeah. You is, is that the? I don't think that would have been my takeaway from those podcasts. Yeah, <laughs> I mean Disney pilled uh, in the sense that like a pill that like kills you because of like decisions <laughs> you've made while at Disney. No, but here's here's the thing now. Oh, I'll just like, do it better the next time. The crap. Oh my god, this is and such a rob. Like, I would so I had a horrible time. I wasted so a- much. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, look mm-hmm. at these animals. Look at them. Look at these birds. They're here and they're with you. Uh, you know, and here's the other thing. Especially given how the rest of the autumn unfolded, like Disney's just like, hey, man, just like take your hands off the wheel and just like enjoy, you know, everything's going to be taken care of. You don't got to clean. You don't got to cook. You don't got to do dishes. Uh, everything's just going to be chill, chill and fine. And you know, 
even if there's some glitches in the old Disney experience, you know, you come to treasure that experience, that vibe. This is not how you. Okay, sure. All right. Wow. You know, so Rob, there's a um, phenomenon um, where when uh, a mother has a child, and it's very mm-hmm. traumatic to go through labor and all that. They say they'll never do it again. And then time goes by <laughs> and they convince themselves like, I did love that experience. I, lo- I loved that baby. You're describe that's how that's how that you're describing your relationship with Disney at the moment. <laughs> you, Actually, you forgot. I made memories there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Oh. Mem- definition of memories are slightly different, but uh, you're right. You made memories there. Core memories made in a land of magic. As long as they don't go back to Mr. Paul, I'll be fine. Jen, <laughs> uh, December twenty second. What's the what's the vibe? Unfortunately, I think I'm still working. <laughs> um, I worked that week in the beginning of the week for MinMax's Game of the Year stuff, which got shuffled because of other people's vacations. Normally, we knock it out a little earlier than that. Um, so I don't know. I either gave up early or I'm doing like one last end of the year stream to yeah. like cap everything off. I haven't. But I think I'll do that because I would have worked the day before already. So I feel like. It hasn't. I haven't really like you know kicked up my feet yet. Anyway, so, so I don't you're know totally what I'll do. Bob Cratchit in yeah. Ebenezer Scrooge's like counting house, <laughs> but for games content in, in in Ebenezer Scrooge's streaming hype house. Yeah, uh, you're still in there the like the, the the quill scribbling away. I was like, I, mean, I it's the way feel like I could beat Alan Wake too. You know what? What's the? Mm, mm. <laughs> it's worth I made it. a lot of progress. I made a lot of progress the last two days. We'll get there. Um, okay. uh, Sydney Weaver, I'm coming for you. Uh, but it actually like we you know we decided for our like remaps holiday thing to be you know the 18th through the 29th or I guess through the second technically but like the way Christmas does fall this year it actually makes a lot of sense for a lot of people to do start it on like a week later because the 22nd most people actually aren't maybe you're doing last minute gift shopping but like most people haven't really started family second the 23rd Saturday 24th is Sunday I'm at home really low key too for Christmas this year. Like it's, I mean, for a lot of years because my family's out here. So it's just going to be me, my boyfriend, Isaiah and my brother, Edwin coming over, which is like, it's the same as any other day, except there's a tree in the background, you know? <laughs> but like, except like some music, like a different playlist is on uh, Exactly. Instead. You know, I don't know. Wear a funny hat or something. Like, we're going to do a small <laughs> gift exchange, but I'm like, frankly, after the year I had financially with so much like random stuff coming up, getting the new apartment, mm-hmm. you know, thank God, um, you know, sorry to those affected, but Bed Bath and Beyond closing. I was like, this perfectly aligned with when I need to buy everything for my apartment. And I cleaned <laughs> that place out. Um, but I was like, you know, let's keep it small, something to open, and then I don't know, watch movies or something. Should be a, a chill time. And we would do most of our stuff on Christmas Eve because that's mm-hmm. like being Mexican. Most of our stuff is Christmas Eve, so Christmas Day. I don't, I don't know. We're just still gonna relax, I guess. But um, nothing like too big. That's planned. the day you sleep in. That's that's yes. when you, after having yeah. stayed up till three in the morning, using all the things. It you was got funny. For um, my partner experiencing that for the first time, being mm-hmm. with us, like in a in our predominantly Mexican household, and he's like, "I don't." So you just do it all now? I was like, "Yeah." It's and the, the next day. He's like, "In theory, yes." <laughs> and on the yes, it is. And then on the twenty fifth, you know, we do it all at midnight. And yeah. then when we woke up the next day, he was like this is kind of nice. I was like, right? Like you have all your stuff. Like you're kind of easing into the day. Oh, Everyone so we, else is we like scrambling. It. We got, see, the problem is like, uh, like my Garcia family Christmas party, which was like the full extended family thing. 
that was Christmas Eve always um, for for a long time until like people got older and logistics got complicated as hell. And like suddenly the big like let's gather the family thing moved like a week in advance of Christmas. So like the days when like all the kids are waiting for someone to play Santa and come out and there was the summoning ritual of people singing. Uh, uh, you you better watch out uh, to someone, whoever was this year's Santa. This sounds have, you seen the, have you seen the Grinch stuff that parents are? I would never do this. I, I love playing tricks on my children, but the they have someone dress up as the Grinch, usually like a more Jim Carrey style of the costume. Wait, is this where they just fuck shit up? They break into the house. They steal parents. One video I saw, they were dragging a child out the door as they are screaming okay, for their life viral oh like God. two three years ago right it's been ongoing Wasn't there a woman they, who they, was like i paid someone to grinch my house and they just <laughs> fucking destroyed it i can't Holy shit. that's wild <laughs> true privilege is paying for someone to break into your house because <laughs> it's it's i mean I the videos are because it seems like such a bad idea yeah i don't know if it's back as much as these videos like it's probably a combination of it's backslash the algorithm decided it's back. You know what I mean? Like certain videos <laughs> probably just come back up videos and they're very funny. Rob, I again would never subject my family to it. It seems especially cruel, but it's so fucking funny. I, it is just, these kids are like, Patrick, just, you're wide trending again. <laughs> I know I, I'm not, tr- I'm not trying to excuse myself. I'm just saying, I mean, the way I'm excusing myself is, well, I wouldn't do it, but I am glad that other parents are. You're like two weeks away from getting really depressing (laughs) prank videos of like parents like mistreating their children. You're like, why am I getting this? My algorithms are. My my oldest has fucked them all. I need to make alt accounts that I can swap into is what I need to do because she thought it was very funny to. um, It's like like, farting's funny. I'm like, you're right. Uh, You look at baby farting videos and like, yeah. No. And then now that's just. Oh, no. That is such a. First thing to put into a now ima- imagine the things that surround that concept and yeah! that also might now be uh yeah so i need to i need to literally flush my algorithm and come up with a a jessica account uh it's like look this is where the trash goes don't care what we search for here not i don't even spend that much time on tiktok but occasionally when i do that's not what i want to look at uh i want to see like little people making like crochets of freddy krueger i don't need i don't need to see then a child <laughs> so having a blowout at two in the morning <laughs> but yeah anyway so the problem is like when i was growing up like there's a big christmas eve thing and then i was like everyone better be up at seven because it's time for presents at mm-hmm. the home like we've done the big family thing time for morning presents and then later that afternoon we had to go visit uh my my dad's family and so it was like Christmas was kind of this, I, like, in retrospect, I'm sure for my parents, it was, like, kind of a grim death march. For me, it was awesome, where it was just, like, <laughs> you know, we enter the 36 hours of celebration. Yeah. Yeah. I had we, that growing up, too. Yeah, I, I like the big bounty. But my my wife, uh, her family did a lot of the, they would sit around slowly on Christmas Eve, and part of their tradition was... uh getting people to guess what's inside. So there's actually like a trickster element to a lot of the, the, the wrapping, which is like to, you know, put it in, de- de- you know, the de- de- deceiving boxes. And like the part of the fun is you're slowly over time, opening up gifts, shaking them, moving them around, trying to see what's in there. And then people are like leisurely getting through presents uh, over the course of an evening. And this is mostly when it's older, you know, people are, are often drinking and stuff like that. Kids would not necessarily be able to handle four and a half hours of slowly opening presents and, and the guessing game. So we've split the difference with the children where I, I honor my, my wife's traditions. Like we do a couple the, the, the night before. And then we do like 
Santa's gifts are the next day. Mom and dad's gifts are the night before. And like, we'll open those with them. And then, you know, the big pile that appears, um, Who gives which, is the mostly gifts? Just, which is mostly just the smaller stuff, like wrapped creatively to give the appearance of a big pile um, because the children don't really know at this age uh, is where we No, but Jan with a good question there. Who does give the better gifts? Yeah. Santa or the parents. Uh, that has been a, a so now my old my youngest, she's three. Um, so it sort of doesn't matter. Um, I think for her, the fun of Santa. So it's like you're sort of reinforcing the uh, that part of the the myth. Um, whereas my oldest, like we did my my wife was reading something. She's like, do you start switching it once they get older? Because are you just sort of like, will mom and dad just give you, you know, socks? Now, my kid loves socks. So actually, it like works out kind of well. <laughs> but I do think I do think that like the algorithm maybe like switches a little bit as your kid begins to approach being spoiled on like what's going on. Right. Um, like, especially cause my kid has older friends and at some point they're going to find out. And then it's just an, you know, inevitable that my kid is going to get, um, struck on that. Although I think that I saw one friend who dealt with it recently where they like elf on the shelf, which is a relatively recent phenomenon. And we don't do the surveillance state elf. It's just it, the elf appears somewhere, you know, goofy the next, the sure. next morning and the kids get to wake up and, and find it. But part of like the passing the torch I saw with one of my friends was when the kid realized what the game was and was asking questions. And it's like, it's not worth lying to you anymore. Like, here's the deal. It's like, well, now you get to help me like move the elf at night. And then you become part of it for like the younger siblings before everybody, everybody sort of moves on. It's like joining the um, Illuminati. Yeah. I mean, that does sound like kind of cool, right? Other than just being told like your parents have been lying to you because it's a fun story for Two to six years. <laughs> Morpheus holding out a red and green pill, right? And it's like, God damn it. uh, if you take if you take the red pill, Santa's and still like, which real. Which one's which again? Like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I only know what pop culture has told me. Well, and the, la- the last thing we'll uh, we'll end up doing that weekend that's funny is <laughs> we. I think I'll do that this Christmas. Fucking hell. <laughs> Because every now and then I'm like so topical for like content, and then every now and then mm-hmm. I'm doing something really unhinged and just live tweeting it, and people are like, "What's going on? What year are we in? <laughs> what, is, what do you mean you haven't seen it?" Janet's gonna get her family together and watch the first Matrix. Yeah, you know, um, and there's and worse and things we could do. <laughs> much worse. It's a great movie. Much worse. Much worse things you and can we've do. Done what, what a lot my, of them, honestly. <laughs> you can do what my daughter forces movies. us to do. Is uh, she picks an arbitrary number which keeps getting bigger of uh baby jesus uh like statues or like setups we have to find outside of a house and count them and so we like that day sorry what in an evening she makes you know nativity hunting yeah 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 so um she uh she started was count like when she was three she was like starting to count and she was like oh do you want to like try and like hit like we were like hey let's practice your numbers and like there's just a lot of those nativity sets. And so I was like, oh, let's go find seven. And then last year she picked 26. And we usually go. In when my secular mom, age, that can't be easy. <laughs> uh, depending on the block, you'd be surprised. Um, and uh, when my mom leaves her house and comes with her sister to our house, we get in our car because that means we have about 25 minutes. We go look at. Um, uh, various, uh, you know, uh, different different sets uh, that, you know, that people have, uh, you know, decorated their house with. And then we look for the nativity sets. And I, my, my mom got to our house. We got there 15 minutes late because I was like, I'm sorry, mom, we're at 24 baby Jesuses. Like, we have to find 
two more. And we did. And I've warned my daughters, like, please don't pick more than 26. Oh, and all she, did, hours all she did was smile at me. So I'm worried about uh, <laughs> the numbers she's going to pick this year. I might have to budget a little more time <laughs> to, to, get, to get around to find them all. So you're such a hardcore gamer that you're like, whatever she says, I'm going to go out there because mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. the rules. Mm-hmm. Neantics Christ Finder. Uh, <laughs> oh. Uh, oh, man. Baby Jesus Go. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not wrong. Not, I mean, give that company enough time. Everything but Pokemon Go hasn't really worked out. So <laughs> they might be they might go far right at some point. So my December 22nd, I suspect, is going to be involving like so it's odd. I think um, previously I would have to start my vacation earlier because we'd be driving back to uh, Chicagoland to see our families. So like we needed to sort of be posted up by like the 22nd or especially uh, splitting between multiple families, some of which didn't get along due to divorce issues. Uh, so it was like really logistically uh, quite the holiday uh, carousel that we were on. So like we would often be trying to wrap things up by like, you know, you know, like, like the 19th, 20th. So that you have a couple days of travel and then could begin like, all right, visit family one, family two, family three, back to see, you know, a little more family one. Uh, split things split things out that way uh this year and increasingly these days um you know we're we're staying here my guess is the 22nd uh we are going to be i'm going to be having like the last groceries delivered for like the, the holiday weekend i'm doing some baking and cooking uh trying to get everything ready and god willing we'll be actually wrapping some presents we keep saying like we didn't do gifts last year because we were like completely tapped out um, we just like could not like there was just nothing, but also it was a little bit like it would have been nice to mark gives Christmas morning a little sense of occasion, just yeah. opening a few gifts, having a little like breakfast and coffee, and then like you know here sweetie here's a here's a little gift it's a token of thoughtfulness and love and vice versa that gives the day a nice little vibe. Not doing that uh made it a little bit uh a little bit blue. So I think we're gonna try to do that this year, but I say that we've made no progress on it, right? It's like <laughs> I really need to go Christmas shopping. I really need to like find some gifts. And we've missed a lot of the like order stuff to have it show up by like comfortable mm. Christmas window. Uh and also I don't know if it's just me and like I'm just more irritable, but man, <laughs> shopping has gotten worse. Like going to going to stores, that experience just seems like it keeps getting worse. The magic of Target is gone. And it's been gone for like five years. I'm <laughs> like, that's unfortunate. Well, it's it's kind of everything. Like this this past weekend, like I tried to buy this wasn't for gifts, it was just like some necessary things. We need like Ethernet cable and a new modem from Best Buy. Mm. And it was like pulling teeth trying to get that because somehow they broke their like store pickup and curbside pickup entire process, which worked smoothly for like multiple years. Now they've somehow like fucked that up beyond recognition <laughs> where you're like, uh, so this store has it in stock. You can get it ready today. Great. And then nothing happens and you call and they're like, sorry, the uh, the store pickup order wasn't placed correctly. And the team that's in charge of doing that is gone for the day. So you're going to have to do all new orders uh, and then just come into the store and you, you come into the store and there's this like long like <laughs> long like wartime breadline ass wow. uh like line for in-store pickup and nothing is like 
nobody can do anything. Nobody can help. Any sort of calls to Best Buy don't go to the store. They go to call centers. And so it's like just trying to get things. It's like we're, we're like where's the Ethernet cable in a Best Buy? Don't ask anyone who works there. They don't know. Uh, it's like Best Buy is like, are you here for big TVs? You here for appliances? Happy to help. Are you here for literally anything else? Are you here for like stuff that makes your appliances go? Fuck you. <laughs> it's always, so, like, I feel like the, the Best Buys have always, they've always tucked the like useful things behind two or three different display like blocks, you know, where they have the little Apple one where it's like a, a fan, Apple yeah. case to have that fancy table put in. Mm-hmm. And like yep. behind two or three of those, then you finally see like, oh, this is where I can get a regular ass cable for something I need. <laughs> well, it also just felt though like so many stores now have like, the corporate owner has completely like tried to prioritize the online shopping experience that basically the brick and mortar place is just a warehouse fulfillment center <laughs> Yeah, that like you can show up at, but that also <laughs> means that like nobody working in the store knows what's going on in the store anymore. They're just waiting for stuff to appear on their little, like, you know, employee app to tell them like, go get this, put it here. Uh, and so the, the whole thing of like, yeah, I'm gonna go to I'm gonna go to a store and go browsing around and and find things. A lot of a lot of your like semi specialist uh, big box stores kind of suck at that now. And so I, I think I might be kicking it old school. And it's like it's time to find a mall <laughs> that still well, has a decent occupancy rate <laughs> and go ham. If you want, yeah. If you want the the I don't have an idea. I'm just gonna go walk around stores. Like is malls as depreciated as they have become and as frequently as you'll walk around one corner and go oh that's the corner where all the stores are closed i'm gonna go back to the left um, yep. you know uh God. i mean yeah that's the one like i uh I, I miss that part of like trying to come up with gifts for people being able to just like casually browse and have your brain kind of come up with things because i find scrolling through an amazon or a, even a target like online like it doesn't i don't know it doesn't function in the same link. way yeah <laughs> yeah well, what I do is actually I go to Etsy and I buy customized stuff like a month and a half before is usually how I handle that part. Wow. But you're too late for that. You can't. You can't. Yeah, do that, that window's now. that window is closed. <laughs> that so, window's been closed for a long time. You yeah, do that. Yeah, do that. Black, you know, Black Friday is your week to finalize anything you're gonna get. That's I'm just gonna like just show up at handmade. the mall and then come back and be like, "Hey, I smelled this. It was at Lassitan. It was nice. <laughs> it smelled good. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> Nailed it." I'm just I'm just Santa's little helper here. Just a just a little elf. Uh so yeah, that's that's probably what's going down uh in in our respective worlds uh come come w- when you are listening to this. And probably also what's going on is I'm playing some games that probably aren't going to make my list cuz I didn't have time this <laughs> year. So this is where we talk about like our games of the year and all that stuff. And I I got to cav- caveat this. Like I always feel like I didn't play enough games over the course of the year and that's mm. always true. Uh, but this year, May to May through June, I basically didn't play anything. I had no memory of that. It was like Vice was like, you're fired. Yeah. And then like two months go by <laughs> and it's like summertime. Uh, yeah. And like we've launched this thing. But like there's a period there where there's just not a ton of tuning in on games. And then, uh, you know, right at the height of release season, like Alan Wake 2 came out, a game that I've been waiting for for like 10 years. And Mina got really sick uh, and it was like over well over a month of just like absolute nightmare 
you know, chaos, uh, you know, emotional and just logistical. And so there's a ton of games that like I did not fully tune in on. And so I'm in this weird place where like I kind of I kind of feel like I missed the fall release season and I still haven't quite made up the time to play a bunch of those games. Right. Like part of what I'm going to try to do over break a little bit is is play a bunch of stuff uh, because it's not been a, it's been a year where effectively uh, like, you know, four months of, you know, the hobbyist time just kind of disappeared. Uh, so I'm kind of in this weird place where I'm like, I've got I've got a list of like 10 games that like these were cool. I really enjoyed these. And then there's a list of stuff that I'm like, I feel like if I played you more. Mm-hmm. You could rise. You can knock mm-hmm. some of these yeah. these pretenders out. I mean, I have a game on my list that I haven't finished and I just gave it the spot I think it'll get. I can play because I intend to finish it perhaps before the end of this week. And I was like, well, I'm just going to put you here. Do you deserve this spot? We have to finish them to put them on the list? No, 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 no. But I definitely, no, no, no. See also, Demon Souls, my game of the year, baby. I'm loving it. I mean, I think I, I, that is a kind of a soft requirement for mine because mostly if I finish a game, it means that I enjoyed it enough to finish it and that says something about it so it is usually the case that the games that i finished end up being the games on my list in this case it's more just you know uh uh you know just an arbitrary to give myself some some wiggle room on, on this particular game but i i find myself squeezed uh equally rob uh i didn't have as much sort of like game deserts sort of situations i still managed to like play a decent amount of games during some of those periods but uh I, I, there were just games that i it sucks to look at a game and be like, this would be one of my favorite experiences of the year. And I do not have the time to commit to you to have that experience, right? Like, you know, we'll, we, like, like a Baldur's Gate 3. It's like, I'm just not even going to try because yeah. I feel like I'm going to end up kind of where you did, Rob, where it's like, well, probably like tw- 20 hours of this. I'm like, this is amazing. Well, on to something else. Um, and like, I would rather just not engage with it at all, even as I just sit on the sidelines and be like, I want to be horny for everybody in this game too. I feel so left out. Um, everybody gets to be horny, but me. <laughs> and and like you know, Tears of the Kingdom, similar sort of thing. So like the kind of the like a lot of the story of my <laughs> list is these were the games that I had the time for, and so it's in a similar sort of fashion to you, Rob. But I feel like sometimes your list gets squeezed because you tend to play more like open ended, like like games that are just. Time yeah. dumps in a way that like I tend to favor more linear single player experiences. And so I'm able to get over the finish line in a lot more games because <laughs> some of your games might not have a finish line other than what you choose it to be. And then other times it's like, you know, a, a cocoon or a thirsty suitors or games of that nature. Like, well, at the end of the day, you're you're not looking at a monumental investment. But yeah, I have several games that I know would have been on my list. And it's just I was not able to give you the time of day and I had to just cut bait and like not even attempt it. Um, and that, that can feel like a bummer sometimes, even as you see so many of your colleagues and friends having a, a great time with it. But I still like you have a list of games that I feel, I feel pretty good about. It was a good year for games, despite, you know, 6,000 and counting, you know, people losing their jobs. There were still lots of good games to play. So uh, the way, way we did this last year, we did sort of a round robin type thing, and it's easier to sort of see in practice uh, than it is to fully describe, as I discovered before the show. 
<laughs> when we were discussing this, but the, if people don't remember this, what we did was everyone's got their top 10 list, but uh, if someone is like my number 10 game is, and then someone has it on the higher list that preempts the discussion, we will get to that game when it comes up on their list. So whenever it is, whoever has the game like most highly placed on their list, will be the one to like discuss that game. And that'll be the opportunity for these folks who uh, had it lower ranked on their list to dig into it uh so that's that's where that that's how this will work uh patrick why don't you start us off and then we will do do uh janet then kato and then and then me rob i just want to your second attempt at explaining it you nailed it like i think that was very like you you got it like i'm like that's exactly how it's gonna go um so my number 10 uh is uh bluey the video game uh, oh, damn, this is crazy, but uh, actually, <laughs> this is I'm so high. Oh, my God. No. <laughs> uh, Blue the video game is not a good video game. I think okay, it's actually well. pretty bad. Um, uh, it's, it's, not, it's not made particularly well. I think it's insulting to an otherwise incredible television show. But uh, Blue the video game, uh, is it came out uh, a couple of weeks back in, in November. Uh, Bluey is a... I, if you have not... It is a children's program, but it is in like the best way that like a, you know, a Pixar uh, film could be back in the day, uh, which is a weird thing to say about Pixar, like to say back in the day. But Pixar has been long <laughs> enough that that can that can that can feel true. Um, you know, it's operating at a couple of different levels. Like it's it's a, it's a show about uh, four. Oh, what are their actual dogs? What are the dogs in Bluey? Australian Bluey. sheepdogs. Yeah, but they have a specific. Wait, is Bluey why so many people are getting Aussies? Yeah. Uh, it's a cattle dog. Australian cattle, cattle dog. dog. Uh, uh, and it's like, it's it's wonderfully, uh, like, it's artistic. Like, it's beautiful to look at, beautiful to listen to, has amazing art, amazing soundtrack, incredible stories. They're like seven minutes long. Like, you kind of get in and out. It's just, it's really well made, can be well appreciated by uh, young and old, and it's uh, a wonderful show to watch with your children. My, my kids are obsessed with it. Uh Lots of kids are obsessed with it. And so when the game was announced, it was really this fascinating moment of, wow, they take so much care with this television show. Like, would they take the same care with the game? The answer is no. They, like, they didn't. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, um, <laughs> it is. And unfortunately, there's this publisher, Outright Games. They are just, they hoover up licenses uh, for different children's mm. properties. And you can, they work with a bunch of different developers. They don't actually make the games. But Rest assured, if you see Outright Games' logo, you're going to be in for a mediocre time uh, with whatever property is associated with it. And so the Bluey game is, um, it's your standard sort of like the characters, like you're exploring familiar locations, grabbing collectibles. Um, But it's the first game that I played start to finish with one of my kids. Like uh, my oldest uh, was really taken by it. And it was this moment where she gets to be in a world like she really likes. It was magical for her. And she doesn't notice any of the stuff that's bad about it. Like, she's just like, wow, like I get to be as like bingo or I get to be as bluey or like you get to be bluey dad because you're the dad. And we often when her and I play video games, it's like a lot of kids attention span. Like you're getting 45 minutes, an hour, like at the at the max before they're on to the next thing. And here, uh, we we played this game in the midst of my wife having COVID. And thankfully, her, like, bout with it was, like, really minor. 
but she was like heavily isolating in another room. We were trying to like not let it get throughout the rest of the house. So the rest of the family didn't get sick ahead of Thanksgiving. And so I was like really stuck with my kids, desperate for things to do. And we ended up latching on to this, this bluey game. And there was a moment where it was Sunday night. My kids at school the next day. And I told my oldest, Jessica, I was like, hey, you know, it's time for bed. She's like, well, I can tell from the menu screen that we only have one more mission to go. That's how I was it like, starts. can we just finish that episode? Because they call them episodes like they do in the in the show. And I was like, yeah, man. Like, yeah, we can do that final episode. They're only like 20 minutes long. And so so we did it and like finished it, like saw like the equivalent of the credits. And it was just this really cool moment where uh, I try so hard to not let my preoccupation with video games bleed over into my children. They should have their own hobbies and interests. And if they don't like games, I, I don't care. But or at least I tell myself I don't care. Uh, but this was a moment where like the two overlapped and we got to do this one thing together. And even my youngest, she doesn't understand. She's three. She doesn't understand how a controller works quite yet. Um, but she would just root us on and like point out things we were doing. And so it's it's less of a, a number 10 on my list because of the game being particularly good as much as it was a like a wonderful experience I got to share with my children um, and, and one I'll be be thinking about, um, you know, after. Um, I just hope I don't have to play it again. So it was like a nice contained experience. Don't need to revisit it necessarily. But that <laughs> that moment, that one shining Sunday night uh, was was beautiful. Um, and I just wish we could have gotten a LucasArts style point and click adventure game out of it instead. Cause the art of the show is so perfect for it, but instead we get this mediocre platformer, but it was a, a heartwarming time with my kids. And, and that's why it's my, my number 10. All right. Uh, Janet, your number 10. Uh, I don't have kids. So mine's cocoon. <laughs> All right. Well, you're not going to talk about cocoon. All it's right. Have it higher. <laughs> it's, uh, it's high. It's more highly placed on Patrick's list. All right. Kato, your number 10. Um, Oh, you picked you. it up with no, 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 I think I have it. I think I have it. I think I have it. Um, uh, I think a game that nobody else played, so it's probably safe. Uh, Drop Ooh. System Breach. Um, no. Yeah, I, this game out earlier this year and was my favorite. It's, um, you know, I, I you ever think discussing I this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I talked about it. It has really good hack feel. Uh, it is essentially a game where you play uh, a hacker and you're infiltrating different um, systems. And uh, one kind of way to discuss it genre-wise is like, what if it, it, it's like a real-time puzzle game where you have to go as quick as possible? <laughs> um, uh, there's a lot of uh, sort of procedural systemic things where you're like, uh, having to do things in a certain order to like move deeper and deeper into a, a like network of machines and find the piece of information that you're trying to f- get. Um, there's a sort of light uh, story told through like your mission briefings. Um, but for the most part, it has this really great slow escalation of uh, new mechanics. You get new programs. There's new defenses that go up kind of uh, slowly but gradually to where the first like series of of hacks that you do it feels like 
I feel like my brain is being taxed to the max already. How am I going to like juggle anything else? But then like slowly, you know, obviously they just like do a really good job of ramping it in a way. It's like boiling, (laughs) boiling a frog, right? It's slowly boiling my brain to the point where it's like vibrating at a speed that I didn't think I could hit. Like if you ever watch videos of this game being played, it looks almost it looks unparsable if you don't know what's going like you know if if you've never even touched it but um it has like amazing uh hacker feel not in the like um in the zactronics you're literally writing code and things like that way but more in the uh you have to do things in very specific uh a, a very specific order of operations usually and there's always something calling for your attention uh, so it feels like the uh, the movie version of hacking where you're like they're typing furiously like uh you can play this uh on controller and i think it's required just because you need to be able to hit so many buttons at the same time to do different things um and like it's just a really really neat little uh game that came kind of you know flew under the radar i feel like uh but if you if you enjoy things that have that sort of like uh you know totally cool like uh cyberpunk like narrative over the top of uh some really really uh like fascinating like i i don't know that there's that i feel like i i've played many games like this where it's like it's it's definitely puzzle right in genre just of like what you have to do but it is like real time and action it feels like an action game like i would leave the end of some of these hacks like 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 almost short of breath just like my heart beating really quickly because you're there's always a, a ticking clock element to to them and it really like you know pushes you to uh to the, to the brink sometimes it's really really neat game um yeah all right that is drop system breach uh it does look it does look really neat I wow think. do you know who public do you know who published this game who Microprose. <laughs> oh yeah new Microprose yeah. is fascinating they're still around. No, like dude, same logo High Fleet. and everything. High Fleet says hello. Like this right. is High the, Fleet. God, I forgot that was so them whoever too. dusted off this brand <laughs> and used it as a publishing mark made really good selections with what they are publishing in like its first two three years of operation. Like they've all been really interesting games. I never got around to playing Carrier Command, but I heard it was fucking awesome. Uh, and I think it might have a good VR mode. Um, it does, <laughs> yeah. There it is mentioned, yeah. Like, look, if you click on Micropro Software, who I in my head just think of, I'd scroll, you know, uh, go through the pages of PC Gamer. Ancient Times, like, yeah. F- Falcon, like, I'm never gonna play this, but boy, I love looking at the screenshots in PC Gamer. Uh-huh. So you have on Micropro's uh, uh, page on Steam, Falcon uh, One, January first, nineteen eighty-seven. Falcon AT, January first, nineteen ninety-eight. Falcon Gold, back when we did games called Gold, like Thief Gold. Falcon Gold, January 1st, 1994. Falcon 4.0, January 1st, 1998. Large span of time. Ground Breach, August 14th, 2020, 2018. Open Wheel Manager, September 20th, 2019. Mech Engineer, Mech 16, oh, 2020. Oh, War, 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 War Oni, uh, December 20th, 2020. And then High Fleet, July 27th, 2021. And then a lot of other games after that. But just... I, I was taken aback to know that I might have had this response when Kato talked about it originally <laughs> on the podcast, and I'm just doing this again. But I just had no idea that Microprose, say a same logo and everything, uh, yeah. is just out here. I guess they focus explicitly on publishing strategy games uh, and tactics games. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm now. curious who 
picked that brand up, right? Like so this is this is one of those deals where somebody was like, this is a name and a and a logo yeah. and it means something to people. But it's like uh it, it seems like they they chose a good opening slate of of games that that have sort of a vibe. Uh the brand was revived in 2007 when Interactive Game Group acquired it from Atari, formerly Infogrames. The Microsoft brand was licensed to the Legacy Engineering Group for consumer electronics. Cybergun owned the Microprose brand from 2010 to 2018, which was then acquired by David Leggett working with Steely. Maybe those are people. I don't know. Well, Steve, so it seems well, like it's about like Bill Steely was like one of the original Microprose guys. Oh, uh, so if he's involved, then that's some OG credibility. Yeah. Uh, anyway, all right. Sorry, I've gotten a sidetracked. I have an important first. question because, uh, and this isn't relevant for my number ten. Um, but what did we end up doing? What did I, does anyone remember? What the fuck I ended up doing with Marvel's Midnight Suns last year? Because we made jokes about it being twenty twenty three's twenty twenty two game of the year, <laughs> and oh I did God. play most of that game in this year. Uh. And I'm trying to figure out: did I like, you know, did I doff my cap to it last year, or did we formally rank it last year? Because I don't remember. I can't remember either. We'll we figure that out as the show as the show goes on. Yeah, I'll try and see if I can look up any evidence of this. Uh, so my number ten. Uh, boy, I hope I get to talk about it right now. Uh, Company of Heroes 3. <laughs> yeah, nobody? Nobody? No, okay. you're good. <laughs> Rob, so, I have an answer for you. Yes. Sorry, I immediately got it. You gave Midnight Suns number seven on your list last year. <sighs> All right, well then, hang on. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rob, well, Rob could you me. move it up? It's not just you me. Can, you can still play. I feel like <laughs> you can put it on a list. It could span generations. Xbox Series S, X, right, you know. I'm just going to say this. If, if I had just, like, stuck to my guns and I just said, I'm not going to play it, like, in time for Game of the Year this year. I'm going to get to it in 2023. It would rank pretty highly on games that I played this year. Uh-huh. Uh, so, I, like... You know what's interesting? I was thinking about this too during the Game Awards thing when uh, Marvel's working with uh, Arcane uh, Leon mm-hmm. to make a Blade game, and it's like once again Marvel making a really interesting choice about who to partner with for a property, and like not playing it safe at all. Really, mm-hmm. uh, is the impression I get. Like it, it does sort of seem like as a corporate partner, they are at least intrigued by people who are going to take big swings with the property and try to make like good ass video games uh, that like, you know, get something about the property. I, you know, having played now Marvel's Midnight Suns this year, and it was a great couch game for uh, me and MK, you know, sort of playing side by side. Uh, You know, a lot of what I said last year holds true that it is, is such a fun game. It's such a cool vibe. It is got that like, delicious uh you know fire emblem thing of you know between missions going hanging out with your buddies but like the writing is genuinely very funny and top notch like hanging out with the whole crew of avengers and the little midnight suns kids it is a very charming game also i think it's kind of funny playing it. I haven't, I haven't, maybe I'm, maybe I'm being a little too uh, dismissive here, Patrick, of just where the MCU is at right now. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like the, like Marvel's Midnight Suns feels a lot like what I enjoyed the most about the MCU when it, when for me it was at its peak, where like Iron Man 3, 
right? Which is this entire meditation on like Tony Stark feeling regretful about his life and, uh, you know, like trying, trying to figure out whether, you know, before he, before he got his shit together, was he a net positive for the world? Right. Like was, 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 was it, was the world better for Tony Stark being in it? I feel like the Marvel movies kind of lost the ability to get me to invest in characters inner lives like mm-hmm. that. Uh, in Midnight Suns, that's still very much there. It's full of characters trying to figure out like, where do I fit in this world and where do I fit alongside this ensemble group of heroes with the kind of endless runtime that lets them really explore that. Right. It's not like in a movie where it's like, there's going to be the like, little introductory friction that everyone gets along and it's cool. And then we beat the shit out of whoever the big bad is. Yeah. Uh, this is a movie where like you're going to see these relationships evolve and have setbacks and go round and round in between missions again and again as the stakes continue to escalate. Like, you know, the big central arc of this is Bruce Banner, you know, the the weak point in his psychological armor is that Bruce Banner hates being the Hulk and the Hulk hates Bruce Banner. Uh, the, the Hulk hates having Bruce Banner in him and the, and the deal the devil's able to sort of dangle in front of him is like, what if we reconcile those two things? What if you can have the best of both worlds and not be ashamed, not have any of the things that make you Hulk be a weakness. And that drives the action of the game. And that's a really compelling pitch for a, for a game where it's like people are trying to save Banner, but Banner appears to be in his right mind as he's saying, I don't want to be saved. I like it like this. Uh, and then on top of that, it just gets better and better as a tactics game. And I really wish like it's a review. I fully wish I could have back because I had played a fair amount of it and it was pulling its punches so much with what kind of tactics game it was. And now, you know, having played through it this year, man, it has that, you know, thing Kata was talking a minute ago about like, I'm running out of time here. Like everything has to be perfect from here i have to this Mm. this team has to stand on its head in order to get through this mission and like you can do it like when you put those moves together and the sequence of turns the interdependencies between the characters it feels amazing and so like what i would say is we're never getting another another game like this it seems like basically destroyed for access or at least a bunch of the developers were tied to it that kind of era right that xcom era of Fraxis is over and midnight suns ended up being the, the the kind of catalyst for that. But I would say like, uh, give it a shot. Like I, you know, I think it's too late to, you know, we're not going to, there's nothing we can do to get another one of these or like, you know, turn it into a retro retrospective success. But I do think it is a really delightful game and probably one of your best, like, uh, the Arkham Asylum games are great you know, stealth action games in a lot of ways. But I think Midnight Suns is a great comics book, comic books game game in that it mm-hmm. gets it like why people end up buying out entire runs of comic books and why they end up being like, oh, this overarching plot involves these three different runs of different comics. I'm going to get all of it in there. Midnight Suns kind of gets at that too. Uh, so like highly recommended if I were putting it in this year's list, it would have been <laughs> high. Uh, so. Don't let us stop you, Rob. You just said, "Can I have that review back?" Just sh- shove that little that little <laughs> gremlin into your list. You'd have to knock something off in real time if you wanted to do it, but no, I'm not going to stop you. No, it's just like 
we gave it seven last year. I would say yep. like now if I had it over, had it over again, I would place it higher. Uh, my number 10, 10 is Company of Heroes. Um, I, I have less to say about that because like Company of Heroes is a really no, well-known RTS quantity. Company of Heroes 3 is a really good one in a lot of ways. Uh, it's it's weird. It's kind of a weird thing to talk about because the, the community reaction, as is often the case with like later installments and in series that people are really invested in has been very mixed, uh, hostile outright in, in some ways. But, uh, I, I think for me, company of heroes three, like there was so much good, you know, the, the bones of that game are, are so strong. It's such a good multiplayer and skirmish game. <clears throat> the big disappointment is that that vaunted single player campaign that they were pitching completely falls on his face. Like it, doesn't work the single player missions that pop up in that campaign the sort of really highly scripted and authored ones are terrific and sort of remind you just how good um how good relic is at making like really fascinating rts levels that you got to fight through and have like lots of really memorable moments uh so like i'm like coming to fears 3 gets in there i i think it's one of those things to be easily knocked off if I played some of the other games that are on my list of like, I should make some time for this stuff. But just in terms of like things that I invested a lot of time in this year and really enjoyed my time with, uh, despite some caveats, um, you know, that's, that's company of heroes three. Excellent. On to nine, Patrick. Uh, my number nine is uh, star Wars Jedi survivor. Okay. I'm good. Uh, yeah, uh, it's, on, it's on my list as a number one game. I wish I had played more of. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <me too. laughs> on, I thought I like- Kato just had a moment of realization uh, where they were like, it's my number one game. I didn't yeah. realize until Pat said it. We can't discuss it. We can't discuss it right now, fam. No, what a plot no. twist. No, I've been working uh-huh. on the side as we've been going, a list of shame that I'm working on compiling. Yeah. High on and the list of shame. And that's on there. High on the list yeah, of shame I, for I, me. I, th- I, th- I think for a lot of people that game fell off because it had a lot of technical issues uh, sure. early on. Um, and like the PC version was a complete mess. I think it's still messy but is less messy than it was uh, at, at launch. Um, it certainly had its uh, share of issues on on console i remember i wrote one of the last pieces maybe the last piece i wrote for waypoint one of the last was about how do you even review a game where you're being told like your save might be broken like halfway through the review pro- it was just a whole that game was clearly coming in hot but i i think respawn has just really been on to something with both these games i i quite liked the original i quite like the sequel some of the just like base level ideas are things that i wish were more present in games of this type for example being able to extend the parry window um just like little ideas that are are more than like they fall into the accessibility bucket but like allow people to experience a style of game that means so much to me and then put into a universe like star wars like is going to bring in a larger crowd that's going to need some more accommodations um in order to see like what's interesting about and i think respawn has done a really good job of kind of carving out their own little spot in the star wars universe i like the fact that with the exception of like one major character um, that they just love having in both games, um, it's just off doing its own thing. It's are like you, wait, are, you, are you are you bashing Cal? Well, I don't care for Cal, but I don't have a problem. No, I mean from the like the modern like franchising of Star Wars, where everything has to have references mm. to older like essentially like Jedi. You know the 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 Jedi games that Respawn is doing are off just 
you know, there's like they're on familiar planets sometimes, yada yada. But it's just like its own cast of characters, its own stories that kind of purposely are finding ways to be only tangentially connected to what's happening in sort of like the main saga. And does it feel as though it has to have those references, those characters in order to make you care for it? With a giant asterisk, there's there's like that's not entirely true, but it's mostly true. And I just really like the gameplay. I it is a like some of my favorite styles of games are Metroid style games. I love exploring spaces. Ooh, you don't have a tool for this, fucker. Come back. Oh, like okay, I don't. I'll be back. <laughs> you got uh, me. And it's worked yeah. for I, I'm almost forty, and it's uh. worked for almost forty years. And I got a good, I have a good inkling. We got forty more good years in this formula <laughs> for at least Patrick. And and part of what makes it work is because of what it's crossed over with, which is like as as an adult, one of my favorite styles of games are like the the the, the kind of the action games that From Software has sort of carved out as their own particular subgenre. And these two just go together really well. I mean, the Souls games themselves had a lot of Metroid influence. It is also a game in which you are unlocking shortcuts, like you don't have access to this to get access to that. The Jedi games are just way more, like, blatant about, like, no, we're just really just doing, like, you don't have the hook shot like so come back with the hook shot sort of thing and it works i think they're beautiful they're really fun to play uh i've i i think they're getting really great at building the interconnected worlds you know the in jedi survivor uh yeah there are different planets but it's really one world like there's really one major planet on that game and then others that are kind of smaller and more focused um but that one major planet is like incredibly fun to explore um and it's like the what, what is that the main section of uh super metroid like norfair or some shit like yeah and then the yeah. all the other ones are like themed around it it, it almost has yeah. that same sort of structure absolutely absolutely um and i, I just feel like I, I think they made some great leaps between the first game to the second game i think i like the story more in the first one um but like from a mechanical perspective like from a world design perspective i think they're they're, they're onto something really special, and I'm excited that they're making another one. And it actually makes me really excited to find out, like, any day now we should hear what that shooter is that Respawn is doing. Um, and I have, like, really high hopes for that. So, yeah, just really great is games. Is it a Star I, Wars shooter? Yeah, Respawn's doing oh, shit, a Star okay. Wars shooter. They've been they've had a team that's kind of been working on that mm. quietly for a couple of years Jedi now. Jedi Fall. Oh. And using wall running and slides, you have to kill as many Jedi as possible (laughs) in one night. Oh, my God. Just make a Titanfall game, but make it Star Wars. Uh, Like that's that's how we get Titanfall three. So, yeah, I think these are the really good games. I really wish they could figure out the technical side of it. Uh, I don't know if that's an EA thing. I don't know if that's a, a respawn pipeline thing. But like these games are coming out a technical mess. Save states are a mess. And it's really unfortunate because it's. I totally understand folks that I had a a relatively clean experience playing it myself, but you don't have to go very far to see a lot of people that had a lot of problems trying to play that game. And so it's, you know, unfortunately the kind of game where you should wait six to nine months after it comes out, but now is probably a decent time to check out what happened in, in Jedi survivor because uh, yeah, just a a really, really good game. Uh, And I'm, I'm excited to see what they do next. My, uh, my, time where i would have dedicated that game i was playing so much fallen order to get ready for it 
and uh, <laughs> then it was like we've Whoops. our time has expired. We have to do other things now. That's the uh-huh. worst. But uh, no. I'm, I'm looking forward to it because like Fallen Order is really cool. I think especially yeah. when playing these games in the wake of uh, Andor in particular, I think it has more Andor like sensibilities than yeah. like uh, like Mandalorian or like sequel trilogy sensibilities if that makes sense like the mm-hmm. fact yeah. this is so much of this is about like people on sort of the ragged fringes of star wars society uh you know scrapyards mining colonies uh it's it's a lot of uh it's the stuff that i've always really enjoyed in like star wars expanded universe stuff of like okay what's it like if people are just like living in this universe and they're not doing like jedi shit they're just trying to like make a go of it and even though your character is obviously doing loads of Jedi <laughs> shit. <laughs> you know, Cal comes from a world where like, he's only doing this because goons showed up at his scrapyard job and like killed everyone. Uh, and you know, his adventure takes him to places where it's like, well, the story behind this place is like really grounded in like the reality of like, you know, who gets the resources that make star Wars, the star Wars universe run, right? Like, what does what does the empire look like when you're away from the gleaming battle stations uh, and th- and that kind of stuff? So it's a it's a it's a cool series on that front and gives me a lot of it, it's one of the few uh, games that really sort of captures a lot of what I loved about Star Wars when I was most into it uh, when I when I was a kid. When it feels like a direct extension of like the the soul style game, the kind of gameplay flow that From Software kind of came up with starting in Demon Souls, um, and then grafted onto Star Wars feels like a natural extension of what, like, all the stuff Raven was doing during, like, like their run of Jedi Knight games, right? Like, yeah. if, like Jedi Knight was, part of the reason those games are so beloved is because it managed to harness, like, what does it fucking feel like to, like, be one of these characters? And, like, Jedi Knight and Raven's, like, trilogy of games were the best example. Even if I love Dark, like, there are lots of games in Star Wars that I liked because I liked the world, but Jedi Knight best crystallized, like, what does it feel like to be one of these characters? And I think Respawns is like a direct, you know, it's, it's just it's just taking what uh, Raven was doing with the Jedi Knight games and then dropping it into a modern context and taking, you know, a lot of uh, influence from From Software. And I, I think that explains part of why I like it so much. It's because I also loved the Jedi Knight games. And this is just a modern take on on that stuff. I was like, they make like lightsaber duels feel fucking good. Like when a yeah. villain shows up that you really have beef with and like they have a distinctive style, right? Where it's like, okay, how are you? The way you've been like hacking and slashing with other characters, like the time is going to be different here. You got to approach this character differently, control space differently. Like, you know, even Fallen Order, there were a lot of moments where it's like, oh, this feels this feels like a moment, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like they fire up their lightsaber, you fire your fire up yours. And it's not just I'm going to dodge roll and like beat the shit out of this guy. It's going to be like, I really need to think about like how to neutralize their strengths. And, well, and, this, and this new one has different. <laughs> they, they do a good thing, which is uh, what if you, you have a gun? <laughs> well, you gave him a gun like they gave him a gun and that part's on. But it's more than that. It's like the different. I forget what the game calls, but like essentially like different stances mm-hmm. where yeah. the lightsaber just arbitrarily gets heavier. For, like, no particularly good reason. Um, But it's, like, allows you, like, one of my favorite stances is the one where you're essentially holding, like, the equivalent of, like, a great axe or something in a Souls game. And they just give you that here. And your character's like, god damn, this 
This saber is so hard to wield now, but it's so <laughs> cool and so good and feels so satisfying to play. It was a huge part of what made uh, Jedi Survivor uh, feel so distinctly different was your ability to actually make that moment-to-moment stuff uh, feel different uh, as well. Um, Rob has forsaken us for the dogs. Um, who was next in the order? If it was I think Rob I next. Okay, Janet, yeah. why don't you uh, hit us with your number nine? Yeah, um, I guess before I get to my number nine, yeah, Star Wars Jedi Survivor is probably my number one backlog game where yeah. it's not the best game I haven't played this year, which is such a weird thing to say. Yeah, I know but, what you mean, though. But it's so, um, I only spent like, I don't know, two to four hours with it. I did a stream of it, uh, and I spent the exact same amount of time with like Jedi Fallen Order. And I bounced off Fallen Order because I didn't like some aspects of the design. Um, and I just felt like Survivor so clearly improved on so many of my complaints from the first game. And sure, are there things that maybe, I don't know, again, it's a stacked year. So I, I know why this maybe didn't make people's lists who even did play it, but I find it very cozy. I love kind of like you, Patrick, just the structure of the world. I also really like a lot of the abilities they've introduced because I do mm-hmm. think where it is so distinctly differentiated from souls is in how many tools it gives you to find a play style that fits cowards which i know for souls it's like oh it's magic (laughs) or whatever right but like they have a lot of stuff that i forgot the specifics but where i was really able to lean into my mechanical tendencies with the abilities very quickly like kind of from out the gate and i really liked that yeah, like they have one that handles parrying for you, right? Yeah, um, where that's you're just it. holding that's block. One. <laughs> right, yeah. right, right. And like that, that's rather than making, you know, they, they, they get it at both ends, which is like, do you want to make the parrying window larger where it's just you don't have to time it as quickly? But also parrying does feel like parrying feels cool and they want you to feel cool. And so that's where you get the parry window. But also yeah. if you get high anxiety during a fight sequence and you just want to hold block and have that like function as the parry we've got you covered and we're not going to make it a you're right for baby jedi mode like where where <laughs> but you know what i mean so i think you're absolutely right that they found a great way to accommodate a variety of play styles that feel like it's not just doing a modifier on the mechanics yeah. to make it like quote easier it's actually just no this is the type of jedi i want to play and like it naturally extends out of that and also can can be easier depending on like how you play play the game um sort of thing and i, I think that's yeah. a that's a great note to make i feel I like too, from a- i have a canonical explanation though of why okay. that lightsaber gets so heavy mm. it turns out it's fucking huge <laughs> oh, oh you got God. a lightsaber oh that's God. it's a big lightsaber so yeah uh it's <laughs> So MK got so this is an MK decision, by the way, not a not wow. a raw decision. This is uh, MK thrown under the bus. Uh, like saw the Cal Kestis lightsaber at the mm. end of the Star Tours ride. Uh, that that this uh gift shop that had like you know the the normal lightsabers for children, and then the <laughs> like, hey, are you a dumbass adult with too much money and do you yeah. want nice collectibles? Yeah. And the answer was yes. yes it did. <laughs> and so we're standing there. We're standing there at the shop. Uh, and like, there's a couple people who are like, yeah, I don't know, man. This is it's Cal 
Kestis's lightsaber. Uh, it's, you know, whatever. And then there are other people at the shop who are like, okay, so obviously this is uh, Cal's lightsaber after the hilt is refashioned. Uh, I was about in to the say first game. It doesn't have the broken. <laughs> and then the he was like, do you, want the, do you want the broken hilt one? We we're like, no, this one's beautiful. He's like, yeah, this Aww. is a better one. It's a better, it's I a like better model. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway, so long story short, we now have just an enormous, I mean, enormous, uh, like five, eight pound <laughs> like lightsaber hilt. Uh, it's just, just hanging out in, in the house. Uh, but does suddenly like, you know, this is sort of a, this is the no dachi ass lightsaber hilt, right? This is, this is mm-hmm. the, uh, you know, we're going to have the big berserk sword, uh, you know, equivalent of a lightsaber. Amazing. Uh, but yeah, so that is, that is how thoroughly, uh, you know, cast is pilled MK got over the course of, <laughs> of her playthrough like wait this is the cal castus's lightsaber let's go um <laughs> no i want to build the little droid there at disney so oh. and get the lightsaber i don't know when oh. i'm spending all this money but yeah so building is the, the droid lightsaber- bad do you have it I'm the scared. droid is fine you so you do have it <laughs> yeah we we, we got okay. the. oh sorry so we bought like we built a little chopper we yeah. did the whole droid building workshop and then we also we were like there's a cute little uh Oh, what's his droid's name? BD BB eight? No, BB 8s a little ball, right? Yeah. Oh, it's his the, one. I don't yeah. know. Oh, and like Jedi Survive. Oh, uh, it's BD. You can customize it's just BD. Them, and it's so cute. <laughs> just BD? Well, no, it has a number, but he never says it. It's just BD in the game. BD. <laughs> anyway, it's a very cute little droid. BD one. BD one. Very cute and cocks its little head at you. Uh yeah. it's it's adorable. The droid building workshop, it is so like you just snap them together. You might like. I think we both came away being like, I thought there was gonna be a little more droid building than there is. It's aimed right. little kids, right? So it's like Duplo grade, like the things click together. But what you pay to do the whole like, I want to make the little droid pieces click together. It feels like okay. I mean, I could I could have done a little more droid construction to be quite <laughs> honest. Uh, you know, you go to your big Mister Potato Head uh type uh you know conveyor uh, belt of droid uh-huh. parts. And you just sort of slap them together. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, and yeah. And yeah. Like, here's the problem. I'd be like, yeah, a lot of the stuff wasn't worth it. Was the Halcyon worth it? No, probably not. And then also it's like you get to Galaxy's Edge and the madness comes over you. You know, you're just like, I'm in Star Wars land. I have to do Star Wars things. <laughs> and yeah. I don't even touch my wallet because they made me wear this wristband. So I don't. Oh, yeah. oh my yeah. God. Band is wow. so money's not real. It's so enticing, and then you like also spend money on the band. It's just, oh, yeah, you it's can, all the way down. They're like, well, you you can you charge it to your room band? when you stay at the thing, so it's like you don't even have to tell them anything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, your number nine. Yes, my number nine. Um, wait, the also the very very last Genesis Forever thing I want to give a nod to is I love how PS2 designed the the traversal and the platforming feels in that <laughs> game. It feels like. What I wanted ReCore to be, which I'm still thinking about ReCore every day of my life. Damn. Wow. Janet, I knew, I knew collaborating <laughs> with you was a good idea. Only you, only oh, only me can say ReCore. I, I can say ReCore, ReCore, like Ricola, And like no one's yeah. going to respond. But now I know that Janet's out there going, <laughs> ReCore. ReCore is like, when I say that remakes are only for games that are already good, ReCore needs a remake. Someone remake that game. It is, there's an amazing game there. 
underneath what isn't I that know, very good of a video I game. Know. I I tried so the desperately to love so, that game. <laughs> we need the recore cast. Um, yeah, God, it was the desert was so empty. My number nine is Venba. Ooh, I almost had that on my list. It just okay. scooted off. Okay, so I I go. You're good. Okay, Venba. It, this is a um, story-driven cooking game that I very barely just got to. I, I've been kind of putting it off, even though it's only like a 90-minute experience. And frankly, before playing it, I really thought that I kind of knew what to expect in it. Um, just like the kind of storyline, the idea of, you know, this sort of uh, family that immigrated and then it kind of is dealing with like first-generation stuff and like that disconnect. And I'm like, yeah, like... I feel like I know where this is going to go. And it largely does kind of go where you would expect if you've encountered stories of that ilk or if that's to some degree your life experience. Like it doesn't take you anywhere that's too shocking. But the way it does it is really where I think the magic is. There's um, I think Venba in its storytelling allows for a lot of unsaid where you can kind of fill in those gaps. And that's kind of the most exciting thing to me about it, where I feel like it was could have been very very easy to have a heavy hand in you know this Indian family again immigrated the kind of disconnect between the parent and the child but they do it so subtle and yeah. so beautifully that I think that's really what impressed me about it where you know I could guess a lot of the the major beats but the way they did it like was so unexpected in, you know, the way they handle sort of like the phone calls and their play with um they do this fun thing with dialogue where they have some of the dialogue like smudged or in a different color to denote like a different language being spoken. But then you as the player can still like read it and follow along, but you're kind of still getting that sense of struggle to understand. And I'm like, oh, what a smart, like cool way to convey that. Um, and everywhere I turned, I felt like I was met with moments like that where design wise, writing wise, everything was just done so delicately and handled so nicely. Um, the music's also incredible in this game. Um, and I thought the, the, the gameplay mechanics of it, which is, I think for people listening who don't really vibe with story games as much because they feel like there's not as much to do, um, that's like a heavy or common criticism lobbied against like story driven games um this is a cooking game but it's not like made to be stressful you're kind of just doing it it's slightly like a puzzle cooking game like the shtick is that you often have a recipe that's maybe incomplete or you only have like the pictures for it or something like some of that. it's marked just, out you're taking it's like an old recipe so we yeah. don't know exactly everything's here can we kind of piece it back together based on our, our, our collective memories of what the recipe is supposed to exactly to turn out. um and they do some other fun things with that too that again it's a very short game so i don't want to give away everything they do with that mm -hmm. but um so you have like that aspect to it but they also have like what i think every puzzle game should have which is just a hint system that just tells you hey here's where it is instead of having that extra friction of you know and we've talked about this a lot on this show like patrick i know you've brought it up the idea mm -hmm. of that line where at a certain point if you end up Googling too much, you're like, maybe I should just not even play this kind of thing. Like, I love when puzzle games know that, acknowledge it, and and build around it with just a simple hint system. So it has that. But yeah, each puzzle was like a little bit different in its approach. And they're not necessarily hard to parse out, but they're also fun to do. And yeah. there's a run later in this game. Again, I won't go too in detail for sake of spoilers, but where you're just cooking this really big, elaborate meal and I swear to God, it was like a cooking power fantasy. And I was like, this is like their 
version of boss gauntlet or like their version <laughs> of freaking controls um the ashtray yeah, yeah. maze but for cooking and i was like <laughs> how did you like i don't even and i don't even be cooking like that you know like i got my little <laughs> ramekins i'd be trying to do a little a little thing here and there when i'm making my dinners but i think the fact that they created that in also a game that's not even about that like it's like the cooking is kind of just like you know the conduit f- for which they explore story and culture but it doesn't so, feel like I, but it doesn't feel like it's the game um oh shit like the gamers aren't going to like this yes. if we don't have game. Like it feels very thoughtful. Like it's there yeah. as part of the storytelling. Cause sometimes with, uh, there can be story-based games. that feel, you can tell the anxiety on the developer side of like, ah, oh, we need more gamey stuff yeah. in here for, for folks or else they're going to be, they're upset that it's missing. And that doesn't feel the, like there's only game stuff in, in Venba that feel like a natural extension yeah. of the story that they're already telling. And it all, it feels very naturalistic for for the world yeah and that's really what impressed me about it so much it's why it's on my list at all like i think for a lot of people i don't know maybe it might just be like a nice little story game but i think as someone that plays a lot of story games um this one just really moved me with how thoughtful the design and implementation of it was um i've kind of been saying that venba to me is this year's unpacking where unpacking is also a game that is fairly simplistic but they do a lot with a little because everything is done so thoughtfully that it ends up making a big impact despite the pitch maybe being like oh okay cool i know what this game is and then you play it and you just end up being incredibly impressed by it so that was my experience with venba and it's why it's my number nine even though i'm not gonna lie maybe i shuffled some things around last second i'm like i don't know where i want to go well now (laughs) you're making me feel bad that i didn't put it on there because now like talking about it is is making me it's remember not too late how much to I liked it. One of the uh, well, look, I look. I may be doing this podcast, but I haven't written my top ten list. And so, if those two things are different, like oh yeah, definitely wow. don't so ask me. I have, I have three different top tens for every outlet. Yeah, <laughs> you're good. You're good. On. We can also come back after the break. After we've had a little time to play games and be like, so here's the that update on who got demoted. <laughs> yeah. yeah, an update. That's actually a really funny idea. Um, the last thing I'll say about uh about Venba is uh. To your point, Janet, I think that game did a really good job of telling often with stories like that, especially in the era of like game development that we're in, you know, like we've like lived through the dad era of like game storytelling. We're like, oh, a lot of a lot of developers are becoming parents. I think frequently those stories are told from the parents perspective and not that the children aren't involved, but it's about the struggles and and worries of the parents. And that is very present here. But what I thought was really special about Venba is I think you end up empathizing with both ends you end up understanding yeah. why the child is rebellious why the child feels like such a desire to like integrate with the society that they're in and is less interested in the history and tradition of the parent like you know I mean like mm-hmm. i feel like they represent those tensions very well from both sides so that where the story ends up ending up is it's very emotional and thoughtful and engaging i just feel like they you get a sense of everybody's stakes like the mom, the yeah. dad, and the kid in a way that you don't always get in every story that is about the tensions between parents and children and like legacy. Uh, and I thought that I thought they really got across everybody's perspectives really well in that game. Same. All right, Kato. Uh, Kato, I swear to God, if you're number 
like, if you didn't use this time, no, 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 I had a number nine. Well, I was just games. thinking. I just, I was just thinking. Um, uh, my number nine is a good place to maybe take a quick break because we need those for ad placement since this is going on the That's free true. tier. Uh, but my number nine is uh, Cocoon, which was already, you know. Well, kind of that's a great time to take a break because you're going to have to wait longer for that anyway. So, yeah, well, because we're doing the, I think we're, we're doing two different podcasts, right? We're, we're splitting yeah. this discussion in, in half. So we have to have breaks in the part one for ads. So let's we'll do that break. We'll come back. We're not going to talk about Cocoon, but we will talk about whatever Rob's number nine is. So uh, we'll be we'll be right back. One of the most normal morning routines is a bowl, some milk, some cereal. What changes as you get older is you might want to modify what you're putting into that bowl with the milk. If you suddenly want to cut back on sugar or you want to add more protein, you're thinking about fitness goals, but you don't want to give up the deliciousness of what you're putting in that bowl, you might want to think about Magic Spoon. Uh, Because with Magic Spoon, you get all those flavors you love, high protein, less sugar, and as someone with kids, the idea that I can show them that these cereals can have all of these things and you can think about what's in your body every morning seems really good. Magic Spoon comes in a variety pack of four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. This pack has zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and four to five grams of net carbs. Only 140 calories a serving, it's high protein, has zero grams of sugar, keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free. And look, you put peanut butter in anything, I'm there, which is why that's my favorite one and I'm hiding it from my children. You can go to magicspoon.com slash remap to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code REMAP at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember, start the new year off right with a delicious bowl of high-protein cereal at magicspoon.com slash remap and use the code REMAP to save $5 off. Thanks to Magic Spoon for sponsoring this episode. Hey, REMAP Radio listeners, Rob here. You know, the time was I'd come up with a meal plan for the entire week, and then I'd trawl through the grocery stores making sure I had everything I needed right on budget to make those home-cooked meals. Unfortunately, times have changed, and speaking of time, I don't have quite as much of it as I used to. You know, there's a podcast empire to be overseen. But I can't just order fast food and pizza delivery every night. My budget, and unfortunately, my increasingly delicate stomach won't allow it. Fortunately for folks in the same boat as me, there's Factor. Factor gives you 35 options each week to make meal planning easy. And not just for dinner. They have breakfast foods and snacks covered as well. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. But it's just as convenient delivering the food you need right to your door. And now, if you head to factormeals.com slash remap50 and use code remap50 to get 50% off, that's right, that's code remap50 at factormeals.com slash remap50 to get 50% off. And now you can head to factormeals.com slash remap50 and use code remap50 to get 50% off. That's code remap50 at factormeals.com slash remap50 to get 50% off.
And we're back. Uh, apologies for any noise that might be in the background. Uh, the girls have decided to stage a poodle riot. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see how the rest of this recording goes. Uh, my number nine is Star Trek Resurgence. Uh, this ended up just Ooh. being a delightful little narrative experience. Like, I don't have a ton to add over what I said last time, though I think I think what impressed me is that the game also has more modes of Star Trek t- storytelling than I was expecting. Like, it can do the political intrigue thing. It can do, like, low-key horror vibes uh, in places. It's some, like, truly eerie and weird shit starts to unfold uh, uh, aboard the aboard the ship. But I think the the main the main thing is like it is a it gets at a lot of what's good about Star Trek and that has not been historically an easy thing for video games to accomplish and even like even as janky as it frequently seems and it is like it feels like it feels like a telltale game in those ways where it's like this is this simultaneously isn't like the most incredible looking game I've ever seen. And also somehow it runs like absolute shit in places uh, for all of that. It is like playing through a, you know, part of a season of a better than average Star Trek show. Uh, you know, the, the other thing I'll, I'll, I think I mentioned this when we were talking about it earlier this year, but it just bears repeating the Spock they have in this game is off the charts good to the point where I was like, did Leonard Nimoy record audio for this like years and years ago before he died? And they've been sitting on it this long uh, because the, the actor that does Spock here is just like pitch perfect. Um, the delivery, the style, everything is just, you know, completely dialed in. But yeah, it's uh it's, it's a really cool, it's a really cool Star Trek adventure. Like, you know, if, they made a Star Trek movie like this, or there was a arc like this in one of the modern Star Trek shows, you know, it would be one of the better ones. People would be like, hell yeah. Uh, it just so happens to be a telltale style adventure game. And, you know, as, as was often the case with those games, like you would like the subject matter and the writing is dialed in. You'll put up with a lot to just like hang out and enjoy that vibe and feel like you're co-writing and co-directing a uh an an episode of a of a cool tv series so uh yeah that's that's one that ended up standing standing pretty tall for me uh, across this year um patrick you're number eight uh one uh, one follow-up on that do you think that has any merit to anyone that is not steeped in star trek i think you know i think star trek is one of those things where like they're steeped and they're steeped right like yeah i think if you're someone who's like yeah, you know, I haven't watched all of the next generation, but like, I liked a bunch of that. I enjoy. I know uh, the character, like you know, like you I know, like strange I'm new worlds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you're you're gonna be fine. Like there's okay. there's places where it does pay off on like knowing a bit of like what this particular era is in Star Trek and what's going on. But for the most part, it's it's very standalone. Like if all you know is the broad outlines of like this is how Star Trek rolls, you're fine. In in part because they situate this in like. Uh, part of the universe that's like we have an entirely new setting for you to work with with like all the history you need to know will be unpacked over the course of the game so uh like real low barrier to entry i think if you're somebody who's just like you know i'm not a huge star trek fan but when it's on it's good i enjoy it you will still uh enjoy this like for, for many of the same reasons 
Uh, my number eight, uh, Elaine Entry, Jusant, uh, Don't Nod's uh, climbing game. Uh, and the story doesn't end up going very many places, which is kind of odd to say about a Don't Nod game because like storytelling is often uh, their their strong suit. But in this case, it was the like the gameplay that really got me. I, I always liked climbing games, I, you know, big shock, like anything that feels kind of platform adjacent in which rhythm and flow and momentum are central to how you control the experience. Uh, I thought Jusant did a wonderful job of approximating, like, what is it like to climb? Like, having to deal with just, like, minimal survival elements, you know, stamina, uh, wind, rain. Like, they're present but not over-present. It's not trying to be a simulator. It's more... Like, how do we approximate some of those elements to add some flavor to you kind of hitting, like, left button, right button? But instead of, like, no-scoping someone in Call of Duty, I'm putting up my left hand and my right hand and, like, moving my way up up a mountain. and Like an Astro's Playroom. It actually does feel just like that area, like with the monkey suit. Like, so it feels almost exactly the- like that. Astro's Playroom could just be... Like my number seven game every year. Like if I just watch it up again, like ah, oh, announce the new game from this anyway. Uh, it, but it's also gorgeous. Uh, it's a game that I played just fine on my Steam Deck, but sort of in retrospect, kind of wished I'd played on a big monitor and really immersed myself in that world. There is a sequence that I will only say involves jellyfish uh, later in the game that is. One of the most spectacular visuals I, I've seen this year. Um, and to work through that area combined with the like really delightful platforming or, or rather climbing elements. Uh, it just, yeah, it just scratched a real itch I didn't know I had. Um, and I had a really pleasant time with it. But this is also this number eight was this cycling cat like number for me. Like, like this is where Venba was, Janet. Like, this is where uh, Viewfinder was. Like, this is yeah, where Season was like I, I it was like an indies category like i was like who do i put here and i ha- i was like rotating between vemba and season at one point i had like all of them like the, the, yeah, the I, yeah, yeah. The well, I, that's where i start one. right i have a list of like 20 ish yeah. and then i i sit there and i'm slowly deleting over the course of watching a football game uh and uh i i just ended up with my in my heart of hearts what's the one that I'd recommend to somebody uh, and it's like, ah, Jusant is so strange and different and interesting. And and that's the one that spoke to me much. Like I feel like I use any, if don't nod releases a game in a, in a calendar year, there's like a, a half decent <laughs> chance that I, I'm a mark for everything that they make. Um, and it turns out that was, that was no different in 2023, which is how Jusant ends up on, on my number eight. Jusant is such a funny one because for me, I, I think we had to have the same like critiques of it. Yeah. And for that reason, like for me, it it didn't make my list. Like I never I never thought it was going to make my list. And yet, like it is a game I'm dying to finish because it's like it's also not that long of a game. And I'm like, I don't know. It's nice to move through the space. And even though it doesn't I wish it was more than that for me, but also it is that for me. So I am like it's like I don't need to finish this because it's not going on any list, but I really want to finish it. And I think that does speak to there's something compelling about the experience and I think mileage will vary but I feel like a lot of people will enjoy it to some degree because there's something there to like cling to no pun intended because it's a climbing game yeah. you like put your thing. <laughs> <laughs> but um the thing I like about this game a lot I'm only like I don't know 
an hour or two. And I don't know how far I am in because the game's not that You're long. You're at 25% through that I, you know, game, Janet. You know, it's, 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 it's really three and a half, four hours, depending on how much you get yes. stuck on specific things, whether you end up wanting to look for any collectibles. Don't. I don't recommend you do any of that. I recommend Ooh. you mostly just mainline uh, the game. I, do um, like I don't the, think it's the shells, though. The shells like are good. The too. shells are good. You've, I, I just found like enough the, of them. Yeah. Critical pathing that I didn't no, feel, I feel like, like oh, yeah. I got to look around what's, you know, what's in this corner. I don't think the game uh, incentivizes that yeah. uh, too much. I do think it is the ultimate, you know, we were talking about what are you doing on Jan- on like December 22nd. The ultimate sort of cozy, like low stakes. Yeah. Like, f- like that kind of game. I think if you've got a Steam Deck, you know, it, it, it plays really well on that. Um, it's on Game Pass, you know, so you'll be able to get it on your PC or Xbox pretty easily. Like it is a a, a cozy holiday game. Like if if it was snowing outside, like oh, you could do so much worse than than Jusant. Also, Jusant also has Recore vibes, and that's why I like. It. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> the, the characters I, dress just like it. It all comes back to Recore for me. I've just been chasing that high. It's, that all, it's all variants of the seven out of ten game that you just wish was a banger. Yes, um, mm. and it's like maybe uh, if I spend time with you. You'll change. I Can I know. fix you? Can I fix you? Yeah. I... Maybe it's me that needs to change. Have I ever thought yeah. of that? You know, maybe do no, something. No, I haven't. You know? Actually, I haven't. No, no concern. Um, the one thing I want to say with sound though, I really love the. Um, again, I'm. I don't know how far in I am. I'm pretty far in in the sense that the game is short, but I love the. Um, I'm a big sucker for a mechanic where it's like you click a button and like the environment changes slightly and just oh, yeah. has that where it's mm-hmm. like your buddy's like chirp chirp or something and then like oh those leaves appear and like yeah it's not you're not wrong it's not pretty, that it's deep, pretty chirp like, chirpish yes that's it's a deep for me you know what i mean i'm like oh, i love when games do that like i'm just a sucker for that and jusant has that so i was like all right like let's keep going kind of well that, that's just a direct extension of like you put in a game is black and white and i'm filling in the colors ah ah i don't even care what the story is what i'm doing that just make you spit coffee? No, I'm just like thinking how true that is because there's so many <laughs> games that are like that. And then we both play that game at SGF that's like that too. And then I was thinking the French game, right? Yes. Like the uh yeah. Ah, I forgot the name of it. It was cool though. Yeah. I liked it. It was, um, yes. But now I'm Ete, thinking at ETE. It was ETE, right? Yeah, et uh, ete. Ete. I think that might be it. Yeah. Um and now I'm thinking that like I need it because I use backlog to track my games. And I'm like, I need to start making dumb lists like how people do on Letterbox, like mm-hmm. games that are black and white, and it's just like <laughs> those games it's like just Chikori. like a bunch of the giving recore yeah <laughs> yes recore core yes Please. anyway that's my number what number are we on that was my number we're on, eight. We're on number eight uh yeah i wasn't uh, actually involved i should stop talking go ahead well, that's, no, that's my number eight. Are, it's oh, you sh- never, now it is your turn oh now, my god what a twist eight. okay <laughs> number eight <laughs> um pikmin four Ooh. Mm, okay. okay you have that you have the floor this is just um the floor for pikmin four um, this is a game that I have not I have not yet finished, which is a running theme on this list of games I haven't finished. But I am kind of doing a bit of a completionist run in this game. And I, you know, I was talking to uh, Pierre Ana Diaz over from Polygon. Um, I believe she recently just beat this and like 100% or was working on that. And she had commented on how she loves a game that you can 100% without a guide. And this kind of goes yeah. back to the conversation I had earlier about like Venbo with the hint system. Like I love games that really lean into allowing you tools to experience them either in the way that you prefer or to the fullest extent that you can um, through the design itself. And I think Pikmin four is very much that, you know, Pikmin four was such an interesting title because we'd been waiting so long 
And in a post-Tinykin world, I was like, do I want to go back to like, you know, I don't have a soap skateboard. What are we doing here? We're just walking around. <laughs> um, but honestly, like Pikmin 4 delivered. It is so, you know, talk about cozy games. It's such a delight to wander around. Again, I'm, I'm also a sucker for your small. You're just the world's not big. You're just really small. And like Pikmin is that inherently like as a franchise. Um, and yeah, it's just um, and in a funny way, like it's got a lot of, I think, DNA from games that we've discussed even just throughout this episode of it doing it's not quite metroidvania but it does do that thing of like you need to collect a certain kind of pikmin to maybe go to this area and like you know what you have to do and then you're kind of waiting to like okay I, I know when i can come back here once i have like the ice ones to freeze it then i can walk on so it's just such a delight to i think both uncover what can be done and then to actually execute it that's also a big um thing that i personally look for in puzzle games like is the execution of the idea also delightful and I don't need it to be but it's a plus when it is and I feel like Pikmin 4 is that you know you're just kind of wandering it around and then you know you get you ever get like 30 little guys to pick up like a pocket watch for you like this is just a good wait are, are Pikmin frictionless like cute little game ants? in a way um and the only reason I don't have it higher because I think the design is so brilliant is I think the games I have above it with maybe one exception, are just a little bit more interesting or maybe just have more going on. But I think it is just such a, I don't know. I don't want to say it's a perfect game because it's so dramatic, but in a way, like, what's what's not to like about it? You know, have you not, <laughs> like, it's just so, it's so, it's so good. Like, it's just a good ass game. Have you read the good book of Pikmin 4? Yes. <laughs> are, so are Pikmin just like cute little ants? Yeah. Getting strong, kind like, of, yeah. Like, because they're really strong. I mean, they've seen don't a lot of lift, ants. lift, lift. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, they have different in elemental properties, and yeah. I guess that's their. It, it's like fire ants, <laughs> ice yeah. ants. Like they're like really building little ants. structures and gathering resources. Also, um, too, I feel like Ochi delivered, which is such a fucking Nintendo conversation. But Ochi really delivered. You know, I had some doubts. Like, is it going to be too? There was that conversation on will Ochi like the creepy rideable dog that they were introducing that has like no nose or something like will he make it too easy because like part of the challenge of pikmin is sort of figuring out how to traverse an area so if you can just kind of like all jump on this dog and like roam around like will this kind of take away some of the fun but i feel like this did what i hoped which is it removed some somewhat annoying friction to create more interesting friction in different spots. So they kind of freed up, I think, like we don't need everybody to like struggle to walk around. <laughs> yes, God, I dropped a picture of Ochi. Ochi's scary looking. Uh, is Ochi just poochy, but um, uglier? Yes. But like, you know what? <laughs> Whatever, wow. right? Like that's not, he's, but he does more than poochie. Cause you know, I think we've all jumped on poochie and been disappointed, you know, and been like, hey, he, this guy doesn't know where he's going. But anyway, Ochi, <laughs> yeah, you can really, um, I think also they also really streamlined some of the stuff in Pikmin. Again, thinking of choice within game on the game, like how much difficulty you want. Like, sure, it has the when whoever's hanging when you like end your day gets eaten, but they allow you to like end your day without like having to go to the ship. They allow you to they tell you who's missing. Like, and again, if you want to be more hardcore traditionalist, like if for some reason you went here to feel pain, you can <laughs> do that, but like you don't need to. And I think through all of that, it just feels like the perfect amalgamation of the learnings before. Like it is such an iterative game in many ways, but I think it's really clear where they've made improvements, where they've made changes. 
And I think it really pays off. So yeah, Pikmin 4 is a really good video game. I use the tote bag all the time when I go to the grocery store also, the pre-order bonus I got from Best Buy. So shout out to that. The only <laughs> game I still buy is well, Nintendo doesn't give codes to anybody. <laughs> That's Rob didn't want to explain. That's actually what Rob when he was at Best Buy for. Was like, look, I never got this back in the summer. You still have my tote bag. No, <laughs> do I, I really wish it? Regret I wish it didn't say Pikmin Four on the side. But you know, what are you going to do? I get they're marketing the game, but I'm like, did you have to put the name of the game on the side of the thing? But I know, I know, Wait, I hate stuff like that. You you don't like having your Pikmin Four tote bag? I just don't like that it has the name. She likes Pikmin the art, but it. not the you oh. know. I, it's like do you, I want, have this... do you want it to be a little more like real ones now? <laughs> may, may, what I don't know, maybe. <laughs> Like oh, no. someone's gonna be like, it doesn't say Pikmin Four. Oh, real ones now. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I do because like it reminds me of that Last of Us mug from like the in-universe coffee shop, and it's mm-hmm. a cool mug. And then on the back it says The Last of Us Part Two, and I'm like, why do you have to? You know, I just don't yeah. show y'all that side because that stuff bothers me. I'm yeah. with you. Kata. What number one? Eight. Dest- Eight. Destiny. Here it is. It's Destiny time. <laughs> No, you can't talk about a cutaway. Put it higher. Yeah, no, you're right. good. You're good. You're good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Although I did quite like my time with, with it uh, earlier this year. Yeah. Um, this It's like this year of Destiny, I feel like, is 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 here at 8. Um, because I think, uh, you know, it, they, they, they kicked off the year with Lightfall, which uh, ended up not being as good of an on-ramp as uh, people hoped it would be, given a lot of the marketing. But it was still very, especially for people who had been with the game for a while, like, introduced a lot of really cool things to the game, uh, you know. A grappling hook. You cannot actually, at the end of <laughs> yeah. the day, you add a they added a grappling hook. hook. <laughs> and the worst part about it is that not every class can use it all the time. That's ultimately the problem <laughs> with the grappling hook, is that it's class, you know, it's class-dependent. Yeah. Um, and, um... They just it 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 feels like this this year, uh, despite uh, the recent going ons at Bungie, uh, the things that they've actually been putting out this year, which you know have been developed uh, a lot uh, of a previous like, you know, I'm not sure. Yeah, what we know like, we know the tale it the takes to get up. these things going. Yeah, right. It's just like it feels like they they had been they they found a real like awesome groove. Uh, throughout all the things that ended up coming out over uh, these seasons so far. Um, there's, like, there used to be kind of a lot of uh, bloat, I think, in some of the other seasons where they were still holding on to this idea that they could be a forever game that everyone played, like, daily. And... Some of that, I think, ended up biting them in the ass in the in the way that's like, oh, I don't have to play this game as much to keep up with it. And that's how I've engaged with it. And I've loved that, actually. Like, mm-hmm. like I can still do a, a raid on day one because, uh, like, they've essentially stopped pushing power level up. Um, but it's still a really engaging experience because, like, they're really good at designing those types of uh, encounters and and puzzles and things. Like the 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 uh, the dungeon that I just did on stream uh, was that two weeks ago, a week ago, whenever that happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know what time is anymore. Uh, was amazing. Like it was one of their best dungeons to date. Uh, it is. Um, they're like really like in this great space of being like you could see they're having fun with it or like when they were doing it they were having fun with it and so um 
it it really you know uh it really kind of sours the whole thing at the end to see where things are now with the studio and curious about like you know kind of uh uh dreading the 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 direction that uh, things are going uh from here on out but for a for a minute there for for a while there they're really uh hitting their stride on uh really like this is what destiny can be and it's it's great um yeah that's my number eight that's bittersweet but yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah I, mean, I, I mean i enjoyed you know to takata's point about the kind of onboarding like yeah life all was a poor experience to come back to destiny after several years away my whole thought process was i've always played this kind of cat and mouse game with this with this franchise but Hey, the final shape is literally around the corner. Like maybe this is the time to come in. I, I meant to do that with the Witch Queen, um, and I'll probably still go back and play the Witch Queen at some point before it's getting to, to the campaign. final shape. Especially with the it's a good ass campaign. Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> yeah, and especially with the delay having happened, that gives me yeah. some some space to do that in the in the spring. But like, yeah, it's, they've it's not like anything. They've else never is quite been year. able to crack. What do we do with the players that dip in and out? What do we do with the players that are always around? What do we do with players that take your, I mean, like, it's just, it's a, it's a very, ultimately a very strange game. Mm-hmm. And it feels like a part of the reason that it has so much trouble is because it like has difficulty picking a lane. I mean, the lane it's picked is the most hardcore players, right? Like it is, that is kind of the lane that it's ultimately chosen, even if that alienates some others in the process. Um, and, you know, look, I'm going to be like many others. I'll be back for the final shape, like ready to be frustrated <laughs> all over again. Cause I liked Lightfall. You know, I played 20-ish hours of of Lightfall, and my complaints like were the same as they ever were, which is getting to the next piece of interesting content required doing a bunch of stuff I didn't want right. to do. Like going around Lightfall's world and doing the grindy bits where eventually the gun the gun feel of destiny like runs into well, I'm just doing so much of it and my DPS is not high enough for this activity. Yeah. And so I don't think that's fundamentally going to change for the, you know, the final shape. That's the kind of stuff that is reinvented for a in theoretical destiny three, as opposed to them bringing this experience to a close. But I am, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on the ups and downs and I remain fascinated, like both as a cultural like interest, but yeah. also as a, a player interest, like where does this all end and where does that point to, for destiny and also but i think like but like the end of destiny 2 this arc in many ways points to what is the future of bungie as a studio mm-hmm. marathon is years off uh we don't know any inkling what folks like luke smith or others have been working on as one of the other major projects there but it, i really doubt it's launching fall 2024 uh so what is this studio yeah because Bun- destiny has been the identity of Bungie for a decade and I think their future has seemed as like as fuzzy as it's ever been yeah it's really interesting hearing you say uh like the the line they're writing uh is it feels um like they've always kind of like you mentioned ebbed and flowed between the like trying to be uh you know uh accessible to newer players and being but also keeping all of their hardcore fan base around and uh i think they've they've landed in the zone where like it's the hardcore fan base but even within that there's a split of like 
there there are people I know who play that this game every single day, hunting for specific weapons and things like that. And I don't gotta be that person, but I can still enjoy <laughs> I can still enjoy uh you know some of the the best designed like stuff that exists in the game because I already did the grind once, and it feels like this is the one thing that is gonna still cause things. Like once you do the grind once and get to get to max, uh, if they've I don't, we we don't know if they're gonna raise the power level for the last shape. Uh, they haven't raised it in like over a year, basically. Like they did one bump and then it stayed for the rest of the year. Um, it's possible they do a similar thing for next year, but uh, it feels like they're de-emphasizing the need to get up to that level. But if you're a new player, you still start at the bot, like at a at a lower uh, a level in such a way that. Yeah, like people like you, Patrick, are gonna bounce off before you can get to the the really good stuff, uh, which yep. is unfortunate. Um, yeah, but I think for people who have been playing for a while, they've got this these really two two great lanes. There's the the gun sickos who like want to like spend hours farming, can do that and do that well in fun, interesting ways. And me, who just wants to pop in for the story stuff, already did the grind, don't want to do it anymore. I can still follow along, do my like every once in a, once uh, once a week like check in on the game and be fine with it. So, yeah. All right, uh, my number eight is the Great War Western Front. Uh, oh, actually, anyone got go higher? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Why so, do we all have ten distinct? Have we listened? I didn't choose Western Front. I chose a different Great War. Right. Bob, and so that's ultimately where. Oh, like uh, making history, uh, Commander. Um, so again, this is a game that, like, I have ca- caveats with. Um, I think there are ways in which, like, it's uh, especially like so. The way the Great War Western Front is this. Uh, it's World War One game. It is divided between like a risk style map on the strategic level. Uh, and then when you go and try to take territory, you end up in an RTS battle uh, over the section of like trench lines. And kind of the, the, the cool thing is that uh, like things you build up on the map are semi-permanent. Uh, once you put trenches down, those trenches will be there in ensuing battles. They can be eroded with time uh, if they take enough like shell damage and stuff and have to be like uh, sort of you have to spend resources to to build them back up but each battle unfolds in this in this uh like prep phase where you decide what you're going to bring into the tactical battle and then there's the rts phase where you send a lot of troops smashing into each other and it's simple enough there's little weird ways that you can sort of exploit the design of the map that doesn't feel amazing like you can always just go up the edge of the map. And unlike in World War One, where like, you know, there's always going to be more guys off to the left and right shooting at you. In this, you can just go to the edge of the map. There's no one out to the <laughs> side. And so you're only taking fire from the front and, the, and one side, and you can sort of creep forward that way. Uh, but it's one of those things where, reflecting on the year, it is a game I put a fair bit of time into and broadly enjoyed my time with. I think it's a game that doesn't feel like a lot of other stuff that's out there. The whole way that they try to get at, uh, you know, the, this creating the system that feels somewhat authentic to the way we imagine the Western front, uh, and the different ways the campaign can unfold depending on the way you invest 
research points and you can sort of spec out your army to follow a very different build. Like you can go all in on like, I'm going to build super fortifications that like nobody can ever breach. Or you can go all in on like, this is the age of the airplane. Every, it's new newly invented, uh, but I am going to go all in on it and just like push the design of this as rapidly as possible so that I can bring like really advanced aircraft uh, to battle first and have that turn the tide. But that means being sort of behind the times in other ways in the battles. It ended up being a game that, uh, you know, I, I had a lot of fun with. Uh, I think it's, I think with a lot of strategy games, you end up, you're sort of graded on a weird curve here where, you know, how many iterations of a game can you, can you hold up for, right? You're being compared to things like civilization, uh, like, you know, some of your total war games where, the idea is you just, you know, it's kind of endless. You fire it up and you can just like, you know, play this civilization or this faction and, you know, do these objectives. This isn't that kind of game. Like you can play the same scenario again and again. It can take really different directions. But that core scenario is really good. The different like lines of play that exist are a lot of fun. And it's just like a unique thing. I don't think we're going to see another like it. Uh, and I mean, it's a trench warfare game, right? Like inherently it's meant to be repetitive. So I guess like it was, I was reading some of the steam reviews and like (laughs) this one core gameplay of attacking and defending trenches is solid and make it repetitive over four years of a campaign. But world war one was a bit repetitive too. (laughs) And so (laughs) like, I, uh, did you find that you hit like, was part of your like enjoyment on the game, like how far you could take like intrinsically trench warfare is repetitive and structure like in real life translated to a game. How well does that hold up over the course of, you know, dozens of encounters? Yeah, I, I think that that's part of it. And I think some of the concessions they made to keep it simple uh, where you're always attacking into just a few lines of trenches. Uh, like, I think one of the things that, you know, if you like one of the things that's interesting about the history here is that it's, it's basically a story of like uh, a lot of really bright or otherwise uh, military minds trying to figure out like, how do you achieve a decisive breakthrough in an age of endless trench lines and layers of defense? Like how can you break through like, you know, an onion made of titanium effectively uh, you peel back one layer and there's something tougher uh, behind it here. They've, they've abstracted a lot of that out. So I think it, uh, I think it ends up being in some ways a little more repetitive than, uh, the subject matter is, uh, mm-hmm. you know, just in part because they've condensed it down to these sort of like bite sized battles, uh, that you're fighting so that all the stuff that's, you know, going to show up during the war, you end up having deployed in this really tiny, uh, you know, but classic RTS size map. Uh, so you're going to, you're going to pack all those new aircraft, all the new artillery in there. Uh, it's going to be really, really dense. And yeah, the, the repetition does get, does get a bit much. I don't think this is, you know, this is a game where if you play a couple campaigns, you're probably ready to put it down for a good long while. I was, uh, but I had a lot of fun with those campaigns. So it's, you know, it's, it, it made my list cause, uh, it, it, you know, it is just a, it's a different vibe of a war game and RTS than I typically see. And broadly it carried off what it, what it set out to do. And, uh, you know, I think have it, you know, a lot of games that are more ambitious and theoretically have more replay value. They're just not as good the first time through or the second time through, like you're, you, there's more replayability, but in a weird way, they're kind of more repetitive or like the, you know, the, 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 
the the peaks aren't as high. Uh, it's just there's there's a lot of stuff, but is it like the best stuff? Whereas a more confined scenario like this can have uh you know certain dynamics that you're going to see again and again but they're interesting dynamics to revisit and try to find different ways to solve and that's certainly happening in this game so uh ended up being one of the more enjoyable experiences of the year and uh made my list do you want to go one more time around and then break it because i suspect as we go along we're gonna have fewer games to talk about because things will begin converging uh, up toward the top. Yeah, that there's tends like, to be what happens here is that like more games get claimed and then uh, there's a lot of chatter in the in the top top five. So yeah, let's go let's go one way around and then we can take a break for lunch and, and all that and come back. All right. Um, my number seven, uh, Spider Man Two. I have it higher. Okay. Janet Cato. Or yeah, oh, Janet. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Uh, seven Chance of Sonar. Ooh. Okay. All it's right. On, it's so. on my it's on my list of. Shit, I wish I had gotten to this year, but I Kyle, didn't. Kyle, how many lists do you have? <laughs> rocking like eight different lists in front of them right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, I love this game. Um, I haven't beaten it yet, but it, it's funny to have this one on here because unlike all the other games I've personally listed, this one's one of the ones I have more complaints about in a way because like, look, sometimes you got to walk all the way from one edge of the game to the other and I'm like... <laughs> Maybe you should put portals in here. I don't know. I'm not a developer. <laughs> but there are a few little pain points like that. Um, the stealth in this game gets heavily critiqued, which I personally find the stealth to be fine. But just to like throw out there some of the there are cumbersome moments in this. But let me zoom out and explain what Chance of Sonar is. So Chance of Sonar is a puzzle game where you are decoding language. A lot of people have made comparisons to... Um, Return of the Oprah Din, just in terms of deduction, but I find this to like play really differently. But like, I, I get why people make the comparison because it is like, hey, do you want to have to figure things out on yourself, like by yourself and not, you know, it's not about solving a specific like environmental puzzle or doing a task right in front of you. It's about taking in your environment and using that to make meaningful information. So that's where the comparison comes in. But the moment to moment gameplay is essentially, you know, you'll walk into a space. There's a bunch of different languages in the game, um, which becomes clear as you progress, like, further into it. But you start out with, like, one language, and they're all, like, glyphs, like, little, you know, shapes, figurines. And you have to figure out what everything... You have to, like, figure out the language, like, translate it to progress through the areas, essentially. So it starts off very simple. You know, your first one that you kind of encounter in the tutorial area is, I think, trying to tell you um, open or close. Uh, spoilers for the first puzzle. <laughs> um, but <laughs> what a fun thing is you can... There's so many cool things in this game. So, like, when I approached it, like, that first puzzle was... Uh, it's a lever, and you see two glyphs, and when you hit the lever, like, the door opens or it closes. Um, but the lever also is moved up or down. So when I first encountered it, like, the gameplay is you'll click into a glyph... And it opens a notebook and you write in what you think the word is or what the glyph means. Um, so in that sense, like it might be easier to play on like PC. I'm playing on PS5. I think it's fine. You're taking so few notes that like me writing up or down takes like two seconds with my controller personally. But if you care, maybe keyboard. So I wrote like up and down for that. And then I got further in and there, were, there are points where the game sort of forces you to confirm what the glyphs mean by giving you pictures. So like, you know, maybe later they gave me a picture of an open door or a closed door. And then they wanted me to assign those glyphs to them. And once I assign them correctly, they will 
kind of lock in the tra- the actual translation. So what's really cool about that is you don't actually have to guess exactly what it means. You can just get the vibe. If you kind of like get a sense of, oh, I think this is, you know, maybe, you know, talk or dance or something. And it's like, oh, it doesn't mean, this doesn't mean um, walk, it means follow. And it's like, oh, okay. But like, because I kind of figured out that it might mean walk, I was able to, when I saw the image, later confirm what it actually meant. And basically you're encountering all these different glyphs either through conversations that NPCs are, you know, having with you or things in the environment. So, and and then also like, it's really cool because they design the language and I think a really smart way where not all the time, but oftentimes you can see what the rules of the language are. And it might just take you like, you know, a while to parse out like, oh, this is what a plural means. Like, like I was streaming it in chats, like now, you know what plural is. I'm like, oh, I didn't actually figure that out, but I'm like, <laughs> now you know what plural is. I didn't figure that out. But there was another thing later on that I, like a kind of aha moment I had in my first couple hours of playing where I'm deducing the language and I'm like, oh yeah, like this, you know, I don't, cause I don't want to give it away, but it'll be like, oh, this is this is mug and then this is cabinet. And it's like, oh, and then this looks like it goes inside. Oh, okay. So this is, you know, and I I thought that was so cool. Like that was such an exciting moment for me. One thing I described on my stream when I was playing this was um, I think Chance of Sonar is absolutely the perfect example of, um, so I have an, an education background. Like I went to school to become like an English teacher. So I did a lot of like educational psychology classes, things like that. Um, there's an educational philosopher named Vygotsky who talks about something called the zone of proximal development. And what that means is picture a couple circles, right? On the inside is stuff you can do on your own. Um, the most out, outward layer is stuff you can't do. And the middle is stuff you can do with help. And I think a great marker of a great puzzle game is that middle bit where you just mm-hmm. you want enough friction that you're figuring stuff out but yeah. you don't want it to be so impossible that you can't reach which is definitely a challenge because we all come at puzzle games with different experiences different ways to figure things out but i think chance of sonar does such a good job of if you struggle more it might take you longer but there are enough railings where you're not gonna fall you're gonna be able to figure it out maybe it takes me longer than you know, it takes Patrick, maybe Kato does it faster than both of us, but we all have the same kind of tool set. And we also all get stuck on like slightly different things um, is something I noticed as I like forced my partner to play this, who of course he then beat it while I was out of town, which I was like, you know what? Wow. I fucking can't stand your ass. Like, because wow. I hate, here's the, this is nothing to do with my top 10, but I, I'm so, I get so jealous when I tell someone to play a game that yep. I am playing and they beat the game before me. And I know it's not like, you know what I mean? Like, if anything, I should be like, oh, no, like, they love the game that you recommend. You're having like, my fun. Yes, <laughs> that's my fun. Rob, you get it. Like, you stole my fun. You lapped me. It's like, and it's, it's also kind of embarrassing, too. So I'm like, I was <laughs> on this days ago. And now, you know, like, I'm just here with my notebook. And you're like out here like, oh, let's see if I can get that platinum. And I'm like, you know what? I'm turning off account sharing. Like I, you can buy this game yourself. <laughs> wow. I dropped the 1999. But anyway, um, yeah, like watching him play was really fun because he's really good at puzzle games. And there were things he got stuck on that like I didn't. And I think that's the fact that's even possible is so cool because I think, I don't know, it just plays with like, you know, language perception, like how you interpret information in really fun ways. Also, the art is really cool in this game. Yeah. It's got that like yeah. 
super vibrant color palette. It almost like has a Sable-esque art style, but without like the weird frame rate choice. You know, like it's got like some cool stuff going for it. It also feels like um, roller drum a little bit aesthetically mm-hmm. as well. So um, if you're into that, you have that to enjoy. But yeah, it is just such a cool, interesting, different game. And while it has more friction points than other games on my list that are, you know, more t- both higher and lower, I think it's just so special, so ambitious, so interesting, so different. Uh, it is my favorite puzzle game this year in a year that was very stacked for puzzle games. So if you have not made your way to Chance of Sonar, uh, go do so. Unfortunately, it is not on Game Pass, which I thought it was as I streamed and was like, it's not on this console. Let me just buy it on PlayStation. So I did, you know, pick that up there, but it's playable everywhere. I think even on Switch as well. So um, yeah, this is just like, I love the hell out of this game and I'm dying to get to it after my partner already beat it. Uh, So there you go. I might have to check this because I feel like the way you've talked about puzzle games is similar to the way that I often feel about puzzle games. And so, yes, everyone comes at it from different perspectives, but like that tension of like, I want the, I want the satisfaction, but I don't want to feel stupid and like different games ride that in different ways and have different approaches to it. And it's a reason I was so high on cocoon. Like it's a reason I liked viewfinder a lot. And this is the one of those that I didn't find time to play, but I might have to, I might have to toss it on the steam deck. Over the over the holidays because of it, if it fits within that category of riding that fine line, I love riding that fine line. It's just not every game manages to to do that. Uh, I think so, especially the earlier area. Like I went to, I got to the second area and I was like, "Bro, I don't know what any of this stuff." <laughs> I was like, "I'm getting scared," but I was able to figure it out. Um, and okay. I like completed like the language for that area, and I was like, right. "Okay, cool." Like I think you'll be able to do it. And what I like about this is. It feels easy enough for those who may feel like they're a little dumb with puzzle games, but mm-hmm. it's hard That's enough me. that it's enjoyable. So it's like, I think it's like, it might be harder for you than like other people, but like, yeah. it's, I think you're going to play it. I think you're going to like it. I hope you okay. like it. I'm scared now, but go play it. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta. Uh, my number seven is a little, little game by, uh, Company called Squaresoft. Uh, Final Fantasy Tactics. Wow. <laughs> Anyone else In- play this one this year? <laughs> stealthily cut to just like a conversation from the 101. Like just <laughs> added it in. Um, yeah, this year I played and <laughs> did the 101, played Final Fantasy Tactics for the first time. And it, it, it is such a good game. It deserved a spot on my top 10, I think. Just, sure. Why not? Uh, it it really fucking rules. I mean, uh, you know, me and Patrick recorded a whole 101 on that. You can go listen. But top level, it is it, it, it serves on on really both fronts of having really uh interesting and engaging uh tac- 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 tactics mechanics with like a just killer story like that um i think uh you know there's a lot of, there was a lot of discussion about uh, which version to play because it, you know it came out on PS1 it used sprite graphics originally for the most part and then they did a remake where they updated the cutscenes out of the sprite graphics and made like little like animated cutscenes and also redid the localization. And I'm actually I'm glad and I go into multiple reasons uh, in the 101 recording that we did of 
that I played the original PS1. Um, but one of the things I didn't actually end up mentioning too was that it's like kind of stunning how emotive they make these sprites basically uh and how even even without like a fully rendered uh cutscene like the emotion of the scenes like they fucking hit it hits it hits uh uh often and uh strongly just like how um uh <sighs> I guess whirlwind is is a is a phrase for it, but it's just really like a really tumultuous time in in this setting that uh uh you kind of get the emotional brunt of through all like all the characters that like uh that that you meet and it there's other like I've played plenty of RPGs where just like the text box saying the thing feel like I'm reading you know uh like it's it makes it feel more than a step removed when it, there isn't voice acting or other things to kind of latch on to emotionally and like even with the side the kind of the slightly off translation of the original ps1 version the like moments and like through lines that carry through are so strong that like it still hits emotionally without all the other things that you can use to kind of like you know help you along when you're doing uh that sort of story te- storytelling so uh can't if you've never played it give it a shot <laughs> it's awesome <laughs> it's great uh and it's old enough that there's plenty of uh guides and help and tips if you uh are scared of the there are Hell some yeah. things where if you like play alone play play if you were playing it alone like there are soft locks that exist in the game but there's things that like <laughs> yeah really early if you're a complete dumbass <laughs> like patrick <laughs> Well, to be fair, that's because you you kicked your hacked PS2 at a bad time, friend. (laughs) Yeah, we also can't quit a battle, dude. I was screwed either way. Yeah, Uh, but whatever whatever friction there was there can be so easily like kind of pushed away by uh, having a guide open on the side, and then you still get to enjoy the like amazing story you still gotta move the characters right yeah yeah yeah. you still gotta do it's more like knowing uh knowing sort of kind of a cadence of like okay this is how i should be saving this is how i should be leveling when to level and like what's worth going for things like that or it could be maybe a little overwhelming or like you can get yourself into a tough situation if you make some poor choices early on but uh, just, you know, you, there's definitely a few, like, tips for beginners out there. Like, the, it's such an old game. Just, uh, it's been talked over a million times. So, like, the resources are there if that ever, like, if you ever heard that sort of story uh, from Final Fantasy, like, there's ways to easily avoid it. And it's totally a breeze to just check out these days, I feel like. Okay, so my seventh game. Mm-hmm. And I reserve the right to promote this if I ever play more of it. <laughs> but Baldur's Gate, uh, that, those little I nipples know. I got. No. Nope, we're not talking no, about we're it. We're not talking about it. Wow. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe Kato played a little bit more. And maybe this, maybe Kato and I will converge What's once I play more if of it. If we add up all of our hours, we almost beat the game. Yeah, so. probably. <laughs> That's got to count for something. Mm-hmm. If you add up the number of axe people have seen, uh, that's that's <laughs> yeah. the axe there are in the game. That's true. That's that is a true fact. All right, uh, we are going to take a little break here. Well, for us, it's a little break. For y'all, it's a week. 
when, <laughs> when we come back. Uh, I think it's going to be December 29th. Uh, and wow. you know, our, the, the little holiday vacation will be in its, in its final stages. We'll be getting ready for, for New Year's. Uh, but, you know, on our end here in the here in for, for us, what is the present? We're just going to take a little break. I am going to try and soothe two really misbehaving poodles <laughs> and uh, hopefully shore up some of the damage I did with my relationship with MK this morning by just leaving her holding that bag of shit. Uh, and and uh, we'll be back in a week with more with the, with the rest of our picks. Uh, so there's a, there's a usual outro spiel that I, that I do here, um, but them dogs, they're just out of hand. Ha, 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 ha.